The intermediate line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. Welcome to another episode of the Intermediate Line podcast. Here's your hosts, Chris Parachute Adams and Jeff VGDC Volta. Enjoy. This show is brought to you by Beast Brushes, specialised fly tying materials manufactured and processed right here in Australia. Real experience, real advice to maximise your valuable time on the water and the vice. got to i've got to let you know that um everything you say can be used against you in a court of law okay that's right. yeah yeah i thought so too you got you got nothing yeah. to hide right uh well yeah i got lots of stuff to hide but uh were we going to talk about uh fish whistles and fly fishing or is that Prob- kind of a bit of a taboo subject also well you know mate, we, we we might do we'll just see where the uh where the garden path leads us maybe uh but we might leave that for another time yeah all right well we'll get cracking all right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So welcome back, folks, to another week of the Intermediate Line podcast. And I'm here this week because, uh, well, here this week solo because my uh, regular host is um, away fishing, um, drinking drinks out of coconuts with umbrellas on them and wearing Hawaiian shirts somewhere in North Queensland. So I'm here with um, another North Queenslander, Al Simpson. How are you, Al? Yeah, right. How are you? Man, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm actually been pretty good in the last two weeks without without Volta here, but you know it's um he'll be back soon and we'll we, we we'll get back to regular moods. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, he's he's good. He's been going back. I've been talking to him, talked to him this morning. He's been um killing a pig, been catching some good fish up there actually. Oh yeah, yep. The tides have finally swung for him. Yeah, in the right yep. favor. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we uh he's got another day up there, then then heads back. So um, yeah. yeah, so we'll get a report off him next week. But yeah, for now, yeah. 
yeah, for now we're um we're here with you, the um the trailer rebuilder master. That's that's yeah. accurate, right? Yeah. <laughs> the boat the boat trailer you're talking. Yeah, mate. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've that's even online. that's even even people don't realize uh it may look like there's been no maintenance done on it, but uh salt water you just can't uh, it just destroys it, eh? Yeah. And yeah. uh the guy that I got originally put all those springs in and stuff, kind of just put in shitty quality uh, materials and stuff, just straight steel. Mm. And uh, so now I've gone all stainless. Nice. High end springs. So should be good. Yep. Yep. Back Job on the road doing. again. Yeah. Yeah. Job worth doing is worth doing well. So they say. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It is. And better to do it yourself. At least you know the job's done, right? Yeah. Absolutely, mate. So that's, uh, you know, I guess that's a pain in the ass, but it's got to be done. Everyone's, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people could probably um, understand or empathize oh, sure with that scenario. Everyone's yeah, had, I'm sure yeah. there's quite a few bearing stories out there in Brooklyn yeah. Springs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, who hasn't? I mean, if you haven't changed a bearing on the side of the road yet, you know, you you, you haven't really lived. Yeah. yeah, well, you probably haven't been fishing enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's you probably been, true. You haven't been towing your boat far enough. <laughs> nah, that's it. Or you're better at yeah. Or yeah, or you're better. At, well, I change my bearings every year, and uh, I've still done it. You know, sometimes they just yeah. go away. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I've had in the past. I've had new ones go. You know, within a few weeks, it's just unfortunate luck. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Have you ever had a wheel fall off? Actually, I have. Have you? Yeah, on my old boat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just got tires put on, and again, should have checked got tires put on we were just heading up to tinneroo for the weekend mm. just down the road from here turn on the lights next thing you know this tires bouncing past me and i was just like holy fuck what the hell and you know bang screeching noise look out the back it's just going on the axle and uh so i pull over and this tire was bouncing through traffic hit the abutment in the middle bounced into oncoming traffic like three lanes everyone's just slamming on the brakes hit the gutter on the other side, then bounced back through traffic again. Then it just kind of wobbled on the grass verge and then fell over. And then this carload of uh, black fellows pull up and they're just laughing, man. And they go, here you go, man, as I'm running down the highway. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, That's so lucky. Uh, it, it was, yeah, it was kind of unlucky. Lucky and unlucky. Oh, yeah. yeah. All yeah. I pictured was that thing, the, the tire, especially when it was going over the verge the first time, it was probably a couple meters in the air. Well, you know, I was just picturing it going through someone's windscreen. Dude, you should be pitching this story to Amy. It'd make a great commercial, eh? Probably. This young fella pulled up. He was at the lights, like at the red light, and he watched the whole thing. He pulled up behind me. He goes, holy fuck, that was just crazy. All I see are all these these nuts just flying off like bullets in your tire wailing past you. <laughs> Is that how it came off, like the stud stripped or something? Is that what happened? Yeah, well, the nuts weren't on, on enough, and I just going around the corner, I eh? just blew them all off. Just sheared them, sheared the thread, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, man, that's so And lovely. I didn't even get very far. I'm only like half a kilometer from the house. Good thing it didn't happen going up the range, you know, or you know, yeah. further. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can tell you what it's like when it happens up the range. Can't I, Christopher Heath, if you're listening? But, um... <laughs> <laughs> Did that happen to you up there? Yeah, we're up on the uh, – oh, I don't think we're going to Tinnery. We're, we're, we're up there at that um that lake, that toga lake, that, that oh, crazy man. Oh, to that. Yeah, the other lake. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and we were nearly there, and um, it was it was still dark in the morning, and then 
mate, it was just a turn. I, I was sitting in the passenger seat, and I could see the reflection of the sparks off the side mirror and stuff. It was just a shower of sparks. Um, Jesus. Yeah, man, he was that. And but we were alone on one side of the road was the bush, uh, like long cane grass and all that sort of stuff, or just 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 weeds. And the other side was um some random some houses based far apart. But there was one telegraph pole that was sort of um like yeah you know, well no there was, a, there was a series of telegraph poles but there was one side street i should say that was lit funny yep. thing is mate it, it hit christmas i went up the road for a while it hit the telegraph pole that was there instead of going into the bush and landed back and just sort of done that 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 coin thing that you're talking about where it just sort of spins and yeah, pulls over wobble. yeah yeah right right in the middle of that one lit intersection like he found he they found the wheel like a piece of piss it was it was crazy how yeah. lucky he was there um but yeah it looked yeah, like um crazy, yeah you ever see those? I don't know if, if you guys had them in Canada, and so they, like those, we call them silent cops. I used to see them as a kid, like um, we used to travel, and the parents used to say it was like a, it looked like a cop's hat, like um, that was that was in the middle of the intersection, so you wouldn't drive over the center of it. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, probably no, a lot of people no, don't know what I'm talking about. Silent cops over there. No, <laughs> no, okay, silent mounty. Then how's that? Is that better? Yeah, <laughs> most of the mounties <laughs> over there are pretty loud. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right. Well, look, um, it's your second appearance on the show, Al, and um, yeah, and uh, yeah, this is the first time. Back. Yeah, man, it's um, it's it's good. I mean, you and I talk a lot on the phone, and it's um, it's good. To, we've we've probably burnt a thousand podcasts since the last time you were on, but um, you know, uh, we've always talked about having you back on, and um, I would have liked to have Volta here for this because there's you know some things that that we want to talk about tonight that um, I'm sure a lot of people will find interesting, and um. Yeah, Volta's insights to some of that stuff yep. is quite good, but you know, a lot of, there's a lot of advantages to not having him here as well, which is great, you know. Um, so, mate, I guess um, I guess one of the one of the one of the most obvious things that people notice if they're following you on your social media, which is, by the way, if you want to um, give that a shout out now and tell us where people can find you so they can listen, look, and listen at the same time. What what's your uh, what's your Instagram my, handle, mate? Oh, it's Caterfly. Yeah. So yeah, how do you spell That's that? Yep. Uh, K E T T A F L Y. Yep. Cool. So if you if you go to that, it's it's the same on Facebook too. But yeah, on Insta, that's what it is. Yep. Uh, yeah. And so I think a lot of people like would be um, if they're following you already or if they're going to have a look now, will notice that uh, you spent a lot of time recently um, out on um, the the outer reefs off. I don't know how much to say here. Well, how would you describe that area you're fishing? Just so for for the safety of the locals you know what i mean not giving away too much oh i mean it's not really too much not to give away everyone Great pretty much knows. yeah they saw the gbr flats yeah um out of cans yeah whether you go south or north you know there's just miles of flats everywhere so yeah all of them all of them hold fish yeah uh, some of them are pretty close to shore you know maybe 15 mile out 20 mile out and you know some of the really Further ones are a lot further out, more like uh, fifty mile out. So, so, but. so recently you've been, yeah, you know, like you just said, you, you, well, I don't know if you said that, but you've been saying you've been fishing the ones off cans, but you're based in cans, yeah. And recently you've been fishing the ones close, close to home, but you've mm. done a fair bit of, you've done a fair bit of fishing on the, on the GVR, right? Like um, going yeah. north as over well. the years when I was yeah. working on sea parties with Greg. Yep. Uh, we were fishing 150 miles offshore. The reefs go quite a ways out, uh, the edge out there. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, we were doing quite a bit of early exploration out there. Not 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 very much fly. It was mainly all just popping and trolling. But, but uh, uh, I mean, you, you've been fly fishing a lot longer than than when you were working with Greg, though. You would have seen oh some yeah flats out yeah. there that would have had crazy potential. Is that fair? Yeah, everything. Yeah, it had lots of potential. But it's just mm-hmm. one of those situations again where we were just always working, yeah. never having any time off, um, and to go out there on your breaks was just way too far, you know. Yeah, logistically. Do the species change further out you go, you reckon? Yeah, they do. Yep. Even from uh, reef to reef. Some of the reef flats are really rich in life. And then you can go one channel over and it would be just totally devoid of fish. Mm. Uh, Also, the further you go out, like here out of Cairns, some of the closer reefs are probably more vibrant in life, I guess you could say. Mm. Uh, a lot of that's just due to being close to the coastline where there's big rivers coming in nutrient feed so it's just all that comes into play mm. but uh, you can go you know say one of the local ones here is fairly close and then go out another to the next reef out say maybe a five mile jump to the next one and it's totally different uh, country you're fishing watercolor and fish species some mm. fish species are on one flat and others are not on the other. And same with numbers. Some yeah, flats okay. you find a lot more of one species and the next flat will have a lot less. So so the using the word flat, you know, like that's um that's an interesting word to define because I mean you and I and probably a lot of people listening to this show would think of flats and we would think of shallow, you know, not much more than waist deep, um yeah. you know, sandy structureless sort of um you know yeah planes you know that's but pretty much what uh they they are out there but yeah yeah they're pretty featureless but there is a lot of features when you start uh fishing them a lot that's where i'm going to get to so splitting hands with that you know, i guess the um yeah. the sand or 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 coral grit even probably more realistic yeah, and you go of, out. out here you get a lot more coral rubble patches yep. uh actual live coral patches you get beds of seagrass Oh yeah, okay. So that that's interesting right there because I mean, sea, seagrass isn't gonna live where there's no um, no micronutrients, but these ones that are 150 mile out, I wouldn't imagine there's not gonna be much much yeah. grass on those, right? Yeah. Those are totally barren. Yeah. yeah. As yep. far as that that type of stuff, yeah. Yeah. No, that, so that, the ones that are way out wide, it's just vibrant coral, and like, but like I said, you could go across a, a channel, only a half a mile across the channel to the next reef and go on to the flats there and it could be just destroyed from old cyclone you know destruction mm. or just weather it may be a bit more weather yeah and i mean you'll find the odd fish on there and a lot of the, your smaller species like we're talking you know really small stuff yep but uh yeah it's just it just doesn't hold fish so that's what i'm thinking like the you know if you're going to be chasing um a species you'd have to look past the, the species you're chasing to look at the what that species is chasing if you know what i'm saying so i mean you're not gonna you're unlikely to find fish that would forage on on marine worms or or, or maybe shrimp's not a fair enough but mar- marine worms that might live and feed on the same nutrients that seagrass are feeding off um you know like for example 
um, a, a, a bonefish or a permit or something like that, you know, or even a goldie. Goldie's probably yeah. a good example there, really. To they goldie won't, yeah. be your best example, finding them in the, those kind of areas and, yeah. and bones. I mean, the grass here, it'd be more, I'd be more entailed to call it uh, probably like what you see in the in bonefish destinations, like in the Bahamas and that. It's more like a, an eelgrass. It's very oh, yeah? short. But, it's only maybe, I don't know, four or five inches high. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, that's cool. So it's yep. not like a tall grass. That's just yeah. a real short grass. Not the kind sort of like of the mondo grass that you have in your here in Australia. Yeah, you know? I know what you mean. I know exactly yeah, what you looks mean. pretty much exactly the same as mondo. Yeah, right, okay. Um, so not the sort of place you'd get dugongs and stuff like that out there, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You do? Yeah. I haven't seen any, but lots of turtles, uh, and there are dugongs, but because of just boat traffic and probably hunting over the years uh they're pretty wary of boats say same yeah, with turtles okay. yeah can't really get close to them, most of those type of species yeah i'm gonna ask a question here that that's primarily for the uh international listeners because they're probably yeah. wondering see crocodiles out there uh i never have but uh you i have seen them quite a ways offshore probably you know bringing boats down off the cape I've seen them in the shipping channel, uh, at least 25, 30 mile offshore, just mm. floating big ones. So, so the, di- uh, yeah, the distance isn't an issue. It's more the, probably the food source that's out there. Yeah, probably. Uh, the ones I've seen out there, they're usually always, uh, with a, like a family group of, uh, dolphins trying to hunt the young. Mm. So that'd probably be the only reason, or if they're just passing through. A lot of them will swim up and down the coast uh, or between here and, and New Guinea. Yep. It's just how they migrate or they move around, I guess we should say, not migrate. Yeah. yeah. But um, as far as like actually on the reef flat and that, no, I've never seen a croc. But I mean, there's no reason why they wouldn't be out there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Final Queensland is not a place you want to go swimming, even if there are no crocs anyway, really, in the day. But um, yeah. Oh, I mean, the, I mean, probably your biggest thread out there would probably be shark yeah uh, and also you know our ian kanji yeah jellyfish would probably be your highest risk your kanji would have to be the freakiest thing out there really in the day like yeah. a, a jellyfish yeah. the size of a coin that could yeah. kill you because <laughs> your fingernail and you probably won't make it back to the boat yeah so wild that's yeah. so gnarly i think um, i think i think you'd probably find that if you would if you were to um survey uh a, a thousand people from the area up there like they'll all have a mix of what their the greatest fears are there but i bet you eric Andy's yeah. probably the highest surveying response that's for sure yeah that's right <laughs> yeah the north that queensland was, family sharks, or something. like definitely sharks out there mm. uh i've had a few come roaring in they they just hear whether you're on foot or not or even the electric uh it just sends out you know they can feel that and they come use just small ones but big mm. enough to take a bite out of your calf, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Just be not a good thing to happen. Yeah, like a bit of takeaway. Do you ever get, um, like, hammers and tigers coming up pretty hot on uh, there? Tigers, yeah. Seen tigers yeah. and hammers. Uh, mm. Seen a few really large tiger or uh, hammerheads on there, usually yep. chasing fish around. Yep. And, yeah, tigers, yep. They're yeah. mainly on there probably looking for turtles. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Both are no joke, but um, hammers are, hammers have got a whole different mood. Hey, the tigers really. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you see them come on, like usually, the, you most of the time the only time you see them is when they're ripping around 
trying to, you know, round up a school of fish and then grab one and then they just cruise straight off the flat, you know. Mm, uh, mm. Even up north on those western rivers where I worked, there used to be pretty much almost like a resident one in that on each river mouth flat, I guess you could say. Yep. Because you'd see them all the time when you're on the water there all the time. So, but yeah, there too, you know, you get guys waiting. And it's just so risky. I've seen the hammerheads just come ripping on there so fast, round up a school of goldens or perms, and then grab one and then back down all within, you know, less than a minute. <laughs> so you wouldn't have time to do anything really but would they attack you it's hard to say i, I think i think they're probably a, a, a lot more smarter than hunting prey you know yeah i think yeah they, they don't get that big because they're stupid that's for sure so yeah. they probably don't you'd have to be pretty unlucky yeah they'd have to they you would probably be a very big risk to an animal like that particularly in a vulnerable yeah. situation like skinny yeah. water you know yep. Yeah, and um, right. not knowing exactly what it is at all. But once they know, I mean, they're probably only up there like with a purposeful mood and such fast response that they've probably been aware of those fish from a distance, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah. you know, but anyway, uh, stay yeah. in the boat, folks. That's the that's the advice to take away from this, that's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Al, like it, it wouldn't take much of a dive on your page to sort of see that, you know, like you've, you've spent a lot of time and, and got a fair few species like um, – like trevally type species like permit and goldies under your belt but when you're looking talking about these gbr flats and stuff like that you're 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 out there to pursue these 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 bus size jeets right yeah that's kind of been my favorite thing now to to chase out there the last few years Mm. Um, especially over the sand them and also red bass on the sand there's a few areas where uh you can find them in fairly large schools on the sand and they're not red they're more of a like a pale blue color i guess when they're on the sand and super wary really really difficult more probably harder than permanent i'd say are the red bass so let me break down this this definition of on the sand then so red bass typically for people that are aware of the species well, are yeah, are the Janet that'll that'll hang on structure, right? Like bommies and, yeah. and stuff like that. And yeah. uh, and although there are schooling fish like most of the Janets, like finger marks and yeah. mangrove jack. Um and yeah, like you say, usually found always in the, like along the edges, bombing yep. fields, deep deeper kind of water. Yep. Yeah. Probably at least that th- three meters, I guess, or so. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Still relatively shallow shallow compared to some parts of the oh, area. Yeah. But um yep. but as far as um being up on a flat wolf well, three meters to to one meter is a big difference yeah. in vulnerability for a fish but also to be are you talking about these fish being in in schooling in in like a, a melon hole like on actual sand no no bomby structure around oh yeah there's rubble there's rubble around yeah rubble and right so like knobby kind of rocks and stuff but and they're also resident is the other thing uh usually with them it's uh well i've got my marks now so where i can go Pretty much, if you go to some of these particular spots, they're always there, right? Or you'll find mm. them for sure. So uh, when either, you either hanging really high in the water column, like floating, yeah, uh, just milling around, or a lot of times though, you'll find singles or doubles. Just, I mean, we've mistaken a few. Some of them are that big that you're calling them for jeets, you know, or or Where? large bluefin trevally. Like, oh, here comes you know a trav or some, and then when they come and turn and eat, or they don't eat. And then turn, you're like, geez, that was a big red bass. Like they're they're serious fish. <laughs> yeah. Oh but man. I catch Absolutely. most of them on shrimps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Occasionally, if you if you find like a larger school kind of floating, 
Uh, you cast like a bigger fly in there, anything big, but I'm always using just flat wings. But uh, And then they kind of go in a bit of a frenzy mode. Then you can get them on those larger patterns. But if you find them single cruising or even in schools over like on sand itself, they're just extremely difficult to fool away. What do you, okay, so what do you reckon they're doing when they're away from the structure of the sand? Are they oh, are they, they are live. they feeding? No. Oh yeah, yeah, they're feeding. And so what's it's, just it, what's, where, it's just where they live. But those, I mean, a legitimate, like a typically, you know, a pretty pretty toothy sort of mouth on them, not really lending yeah. itself the anatomy to dig near the sand like a like a goldie or a permit sort of thing. Yeah. Or what what are they? What are they? What do you reckon they're feeding on? Is there is their food source up there like? Um, um, small schools I mean, of fish that would cruise past or oh yeah you'd always get your fusiliers and there's always lots of small fish to be feeding on you know, but you're, you're catching all your shrimps. little reef fish in that but i guess they're just they're probably taking advantage of anything they can eat really yeah okay. i have i have tried larger patterns at those fish uh in that situation and they just totally ignore it mm. they don't even look at it eh? but a uh, shrimp they'll cru- cruise over Super casually and just you know suck it in, mm. yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a bit of a sight to see, really. And like you say, for such a predator type fish and the look, you know, with big canines, mm. uh, you would think throwing a larger fly or a big popper at them, they would just smash it. But it's the total opposite, eh? Yeah, I think that's a misconception from a lot of like high end predator fish. That, yeah, yeah, that people think they're just mindless eaters. Like, oh, there's a GT, yeah. chuck a popper at its head, and it will just yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, and like it, it's, uh, again, it's uh, like the GTs on the sand. Uh, they're another one where, yeah, the popper, I've gone, I've tried all that sort of stuff. I've gone way away from all the poppers and that. I found that way more misstrikes. If you, if you cast at 10 fish, you'd be lucky if you hooked one. Just mm. because when they come up and push with the mouth, that, that uh, kind of that wall of water, it just pushes the popper away. They miss it. And then that's it. You get one shot. If they don't, if they're not hooked, you'll never get those fish to turn and eat again. Eh? Yeah. There's just yeah, everything's got to be right for that one shot. Perfect. I think um, I think a lot of uh, I'm going to say misconceptions. Although the footage of where I'm about to mention is very very real, but um, you know, we a lot of us, the most footage we see of sight fishing for GTs out of anywhere in the world is Seychelles. what we see in the Seychelles. Yep. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. and I mean, even amongst that group of islands there, there's, there's variance in fish's behavior. Like, I mean, we've all seen yeah. the footage of those GTs eating birds, but, yeah. um, you know, we spoke to Angus, um, Angus Reynolds, we had on the show a little while ago and he's, he's been over there on charter boats before and seen people targeting GTs and never seen them eat birds. And, and I think I said it to Yako Lucas as well. Have you ever seen him eat birds? And he says no as well. So, I mean, yeah. then we know that footage comes from there, but the behavior, well, like it's just an example bird, of the behavior. Yeah, the bird thing, though, if you read the, the bio on that, it took like three years to get that footage. Yeah. And also it was in a, it's in a small little cut between two, two uh, like sand caves or islands where that one guide was, took his clients there to have lunch every day. And it's mm. the only spot where those fish did that. Yeah, I mean, that's so fair it's enough. Just learned behavior for there, you know. You yeah. hear of here too in Australia, where uh, like up in the Kimberleys and that, where you're getting GTs eating like baby turtles. You know, guys are coming up with the foam turtle patterns and stuff. Yeah, well, and that's and that's fine. I mean, but the the thing is that th- those examples are, are great examples that you've got a large 
high-end predatory fish that that isn't going to um, you know mindlessly accept these offerings that you you see in other places because of um, yeah you know their learned behaviour like you said you know like there's That's that certain right. amount of vulnerability if you're talking about the Great Barrier Reef flats which are just massive expanses of vast plains if you like mm. and these fish probably are at a, a, you know may not may not be aware that they can't get picked up by a sea eagle or something like that but also but still feel the same sort of vulnerability so yeah, anything that's, that's yeah that anything yeah sorry man yeah so i was going to say that, that 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 level of vulnerability is probably going to stay with them till they're a hundred pound fish when it's obviously not a risk yeah. to them but they, they don't know that because yeah. you know no one's telling them that you know there's no gt yeah. school but that's just born into them when they're yeah. fly you know and they're all fish actually yeah, it's a matter of size of them. They're still spooky in the shallows. Yeah, but exactly. Like you say, I think with the GT fishing, from what I found here in Australia, like you said, because there's I guess limited amount of stuff that's out there, and all of it, whether it's in literature or on videos or YouTube or Insta, is all mainly from Seychelles or mm. that kind of African ocean or Indian Ocean there. Yeah, uh, and like you say, those fish act differently than the ones here. I've I've tried for a long time out here. Of like like everyone, you just fall into that trap of like, oh, that's what they're using over there. Well, it doesn't particularly work here either. Yeah, I mean, my experience with GTs on the flats is 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 minuscule compared to yours. But I'll share a story for the listeners as well with you, which I'm sure we would have spoken about. But um, yeah, for for like I've I've been to CI as I've been to Bali <laughs> as well, like most Australians, and um, as in like I call CI Bali, CXI Bali, but yeah. uh, everyone's yeah. been there. Um, yeah. But you get there, and the guides will t- tell you to, to you know <clears throat> to strip this fly. They 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 ask you to put a brush fly on, and and they um and they ask you to strip this fly, um, and they want you to move the rod tip as well, strip as fast as you can, you know, and. I did that a couple of times and I had fish come up behind it and obviously attracted to it and follow it and turn away or fish that were larger fish than like small fish that just sort of bust up on the surface or thing that come up behind it like a 747 and just their eyes are out of the water and stuff. And here's me pulling the fly out of their mouth, you know, yeah. and, um, and quickly realized that I, I, like, I remember the first time I got a decent one to eat, I ignored the guide and um and stripped it very slowly and when it came up and like it was as you would know and people who fish for gts would know it's so obvious when they're when it's deciding to eat like that it makes it is not subtle when that fish yeah. opens its mouth and comes up behind it but it's almost like fed a little bit of line back to it because they seem to eat um and i'm sure you could concur with this they seem to eat by like um implosive that well they're so so big they're so used to open their mouth and that fish that they're eating loses so much traction in that in yeah. that um in that water that gets sucked in that yeah. um, if you're connected to a straight line, i.e. being a, a fly line, and you're stripping as hard as you can, yeah. that fish doesn't even know that um, it just turns away like it's got the fish. It turns away with all the confidence and probably is just as spun out as you are, you know. So yeah. that um, that that soft landing and that and that delicate cat and a ball cat and a ball string approach to even such a big aggressive fish is yeah. kind of um, is kind of what people don't expect sometimes, you know, from yeah. what you see in the Seychelles or or yeah. GT popping and. And yeah. and when I've spoken to you about this experience, that's exactly what what you're doing up there as well, right? Like, I mean, it's it's finessing massive fish, right? Yeah, pretty much, eh? Mm. Uh, but most of the fish that uh, I hook, like like say the fly will land fairly softly. It depends on this how they're coming in. You know, whether they're com- coming toward you is probably the worst scenario because uh, 
you you have a lot of misstrikes for that. But if they're cruising on side onto the boat or kind of semi away from you, those are those are definitely hooked fish. Because I usually then cast quite a ways to one side, eight to ten feet, and those fish as soon as that fly kind of just enters the water, they hear it already. I do one strip, and by the time I'm already on the end of that strip, I'm that it's onto the hook set then. Those fish just look at it, accelerate over, and eat it pretty much straight away. That's rad. So yeah. cool. Huh? It's all, it's pretty much instant. Yeah. 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 So if you were to attack that fish by accident, you know, put the cast on its head, it's not going to react positively for you, is it? Um, no. Sometimes, uh, like when I had Famous out there a few weeks ago, he wanted to try to catch one on these size two quans and uh just something that he wanted to do and uh he cast one uh, one of those little flies on top of this while well, i was broadside i seen this fish over this sandy kind of hole it was slowly idling along would have been a i don't know 25 kilo fish 30 kilo fish went up beside it he made the cast and it landed pretty much literally on its head and it just exploded on the fly when it hit like literally as soon as it went bing big explosion then it was circling around looking for some and then just cruised off. So while the fly was but too small? Too small. Couldn't find yeah. it again. Yeah. Whether that reaction is whether it did actually see the fly or not, or it was just some kind of reaction it did with, you know, maybe it thought it, it was a bird going to land on his head. Yeah. You know what I mean? It could yeah. in just some kind of like, you know, fuck off. What's, what was that? It's this big explosion. Well, it probably sounds like something like when someone jumps around the corner from you, you're like, oh, you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, could, that, that could be what happens. But that's interesting, you know, because, yeah. again, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm really ramming this home because people think, I know that there's, there's guys that uh, might not be experienced or A, in salt water or B, with GTs, and, and I'm not, but you are, and, mm-hmm. it, um, and they think that GTs are just – mindless eating machines i mean that and again yeah, to no, bring it back to the seychelles like that footage is incredible and who wouldn't give their left nut to go fish that stuff you know what i mean yeah. like it's um yeah. it, it's great it looks really cool but yeah. it's just that's that's an example of, of of super happy fish you know yeah well here i find the fish like i said you get that you get one basically if they don't eat if you miss the hookup they won't eat it again they eh? mm. uh and i think where those what a lot of that seychelles stuff they're uh waiting in the in the uh, breaks, you know, in the reef flat where it's breaking, like on yep. the hard edge. Uh, so those fish too, I haven't really fished that here. Uh, there's not much area to kind of do that. But uh, maybe those fish are just slightly more aggressive when they're in that situation, eh? Well, a lot of the probably... ones, like I said, a lot of the ones I target are either just real slowly idling along or hunting. You'll just see them cruising edges and stuff real slowly. And I mean, those fish—they are—they're looking for stuff to eat, eh? Yeah. Um, and like, like I said, I think the key here for these GBR flats is definitely to uh, lead them, don't hit them on the head. Mm. But I like the—I find that they're almost again, like just like fishing big permit, eh? Because they're—they're hard. They can be really difficult, and everything—the the cast has to be just perfect. You know, everything has to be perfect. Hmm. That's it. see. That's interesting. That that's what I'm trying to get to illustrate here is is just how much finesse those. Yeah, you're big... not just gonna throw a popper on like a big fucking I don't know, ten inch popper or a nape or something here. Yeah. And go out and you know slave GTs all day long. It's just not gonna happen. Mm. 
and also numbers, you know, some days you might only get one shot. A big day might be five shots. So mm. again, you got to make sure everything is one ready to roll. You know, the line's all out, everything's ready to go. And, uh, and just confidence in what you're casting at them too, fly wise, mm. fly choice. Mm. Well, um, yeah, no, that's it. And I, and I want to circle back to this later on. So I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it now cause I want to go into detail, but your fly of choice is obviously the flat wing, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's just been definitely for out here. It's been, a, it's just opened it right up for myself for yeah. at least for these larger predatory fish. Yeah. So we'll get into that a little bit later on about the ins yeah. and outs of, of flat wings because it's yeah. a conversation you and I have in private quite a bit, and then I'd like to sort of yeah. share that with um with the with the punters as well. Yeah. It's all but, a uh, bucktail and feathers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. It's um. Yep. So we'll get into that for sure. But I just Again, don't... just simplistic flies. It's kind of what I I really like. It's just complex, simple, complex, simplistic <laughs> flies. I guess. Yeah. So, the, so yeah. the name of the game is to have have a fly that's that's that hits the ground running or hits the hits the water swimming, so to speak. Yeah, that's um that's easy to cast accurately in when no matter what the wind's doing. Um, well, obviously not you don't want a cyclonic, but um, yeah. you know, but big, big uh, profile. Yeah, a big profile. So having a big profile and having it in a in a fly design. Yeah, and I I know it sounds like we're gonna get into flat wings here, but. Yeah. That's not, but um, okay. yeah. Anyways, that that's what you want, though, right? You want to be able to, yeah. you want to be able to make. We, the idea is to be able to make the cast and appeal to the fish. Two, two, right. two things that are quintessential to um, GT fishing. And not to say that here you won't get them on poppers and that I have in the past. Uh, the thing is, is that other patterns that I have used, the uh, hookup or eat rate is way lower. Mm. Really. It's like yeah. fishing for any species, really. You can you can catch fish on anything, but if you want numbers or a higher, uh, you know, eat rate, then you use there bait. are particular oh, things, you know. Yeah, yeah well, you could do that, or or I guess you could dip it in some juice or whatever. You know? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> from what, so I, from what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> so, what sort of burly bucket do you use, Al? Oh, I just get mine from uh, Bunnings. <laughs> and i got i got a sticker i put on there it's called i call it the fuck it bucket because <laughs> <laughs> you can throw anything in anyway. you can just throw anything in it you know bucket oh, what's bucket. This? beer bottles oh fuck it put it in the bucket <laughs> fucking cut up line chip, empty chip packet fuck it throw it in the bucket <laughs> <laughs> what you're hearing here folks is many many years of guiding coming out this is the secrets yeah, yeah. you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> no there's no chumming man i'm totally against that shit Jesus. yeah no. Yeah, no, look, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a polarizing really, subject. Yeah, the whole chumming thing. It's a thing, I think, of the past, hopefully. Yeah. Um, you do hear, still hear stories. When I was in Christmas Island there years ago, most of the guides were fully against it. Uh, but there were, there were still a couple of them were doing it. We had one group one group of Americans flew in and they just wanted to catch GTs and they chummed every day. And, you know, I think they might've caught one for five days or something. They were chumming, mm. but really how, you know, how desperate are you to be a hero? Yeah. To, you know, to hold the fish to be, you, you might as well just pick up the spinning rod and put a chunk of meat on there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, like, like, man, where, like, where do you draw the line in the sand for that one? You, I you mean, definitely probably the only thing you want to chum 
would be sharks if you're fishing makos and stuff. Yeah, so, see, that's that's not. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, that, I can't really comment. That doesn't. That does. Fly fishing for sharks does not interest me at all. Yeah, no, but I mean, that I can see why you would have to for mm. uh, for that kind of situation. But for like any other species, especially GTs, you know, it's I, I don't know. I guess the guides are just trying to make their money, you know, and have happy clients. Yeah, the local guides for sure. But yeah. I think I think the yeah. problem is like I'm not going to name names because it is such a polarizing subject. But <laughs> yeah, I do know that there are Australian uh, uh, agents that are um are booking through a certain place that are, are not discouraging the chumming and um you know and it, and it's yeah. probably you know it's a shame to see that that's happening because of that learned behavior is could could easily be ruining for the people that are are out there to mm. chase that unchummed fish you know so it's, yeah um, that's right you know i guess that comes down to the stewardship of the customer you know to to say no just say no no to chum yeah yeah there's definitely uh definitely i reckon there's le- less people that want to do it yeah you know? i think it, well that comes down to a bit of education i mean you only need to oh, say to sure. anyone would you rather would you ra- would you be satisfied it'd be like saying you know would you would you, would you rather would you have rather met your wife through just charm and, and good looks or through Rohypnol, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of along the same lines. Like, are you, are you proud to have, have hunted that animal that was just in a, a feeding frenzy that you created? Or would you yeah. have rather that animal not known you were there and you were stealthy enough to put a, a fly in front of its face and, and convinced it to eat and then landed yeah, it? Yeah, you know? that's right. Big yeah. difference. Oh, massive difference there. Eh? Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a shame. Well, I mean, one, one is exactly what fly fishing is all about, and the other one, chumming, is definitely the other side. It's the full yeah. yin and yang. Yeah, it's just yeah. it just just happens to be that they're using yeah. a fly rod to capitalize on their chumming, which it's not fly yeah. fishing. There's a yeah. there's a great video on uh, YouTube. I don't know if you've seen it. And again, I'm not going to name names, but plenty of people have. It comes up really early in the search results when you look at GTs on fly. And it's a mm-hmm. a br- British bloke, and he's standing oh, there yeah. cutting casting yeah. straight into the wind with a back cast and these these incredible 20-foot casts. I mean, the great long 20, 15 to 20-foot casts, you know, and yeah. it's, uh, and you can, and as he's talking to the camera, there's GTs just popping up all around him, you know, and you're like, yeah. there is no way those fish are not chummed, you know. Yeah, Anyone true. who's ever seen GTs on the flats knows that those fish don't just hang at your feet waiting yeah. to be fed a fly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No. Well, yeah, but uh, you know, it's uh, whatever floats your boat. Some people like it, but it's um, I think as we mentioned, it's just a matter of the education in it. You know, if yeah. you start explaining to people like, hey, you know, are you going to be happy with that? You know, I think most people draw the conclusion, well, no, you know, yeah. Yeah. you know, you could argue that you spent so much money on getting there, but you know, I don't know, me personally, it, it, it'd be a, it'd be a, like I said, it's a thing of the past. I think it's yeah, you know, it's it's basically right up there with like shooting the last white rhino or something really i don't know well at least that's my opinion <laughs> oh look so. i think it's i think it's pretty shared you know like but, but unfortunately it still goes on you know but people yep. are still killing rhinos too aren't they i guess yeah 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 you know so i've even heard of people desperate enough to do put on pieces of bait when they're dredging you know yeah <laughs> so again you might as well just yeah you know, like i said it's a it's a man that's a opening a can of worms you could do a whole podcast i think just on this subject the ethics of fly fishing <laughs> it, it kind of yeah. makes it sound elite when you, when you do that but i mean yeah but it's also like guys that are deep dredging and they're putting on a you know a one ounce ball sinker that yeah you know all you're doing is just feeding out line down yeah. 100 meters or whatever you yeah know, it's like really what's the point 
Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, exactly. I mean, but even that... can struggle to bring the fish up on a so-called fly rod. Yeah. Even, I mean, yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's been some pretty famous cases in Australia of people fishing that deep like that, you know, which is, yeah, yeah, um, questionable. Like, I mean, that's, again, I guess what you're saying there is, is not so much the direct parallel between that and burling. It's more that, well, you can catch it on a fly rod if you want to, you know, but is it, is it how you want to do it, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's um but anyway, I mean horses for courses, I guess. Yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Boats, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well getting back to the GBR, um, you know, we talk about the the GTs and stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you know, we, we sort of brushed on the other species out there, but um do you want to talk about the uh I'm not gonna say it's the first one that's called there because you, you and I both it's no it's not, but um Oh, you mean the unicorn? The unicorn, yeah. Go on, tell tell us about that. Uh, the bonefish. Yeah. The cat. The cat's out of the bag. Basically. Yeah, the cat, cat's out of the bag. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is this cat out of the bag yet? I don't think this one's been talked about uh, or shown. Well, no. Well, it's, it was all over Insta when those couple of young fellas there caught a couple no, weeks not, ago. Not talking about those. That one. Those ones there, which was a, but, a fantastic achievement from from those dudes for sure. But, oh yeah, man, it was wicked. But yeah. at least, at least we know that they're out there. Well, I've I've been trying to catch one now for years. I've seen lots, casted lots. Uh, they're known to always be in deeper water around the edges. You know, I've talked to lots of guys spearing all the charter operators. Everyone catches them in deeper water. Uh, but yeah, just a few weeks ago, there, uh, uh, Sam, uh, what's his name? Rumbling yeah. Gumbo. Rumbillion Gumbo. Yeah, Rumbillion Gumbo. He he, he probably caught one of the first ones that I know of. Yeah. uh, Behind a ray out here. So we haven't seen that one, have we? I don't think anyone's seen that on social media. No, I I think he posted. He didn't want to post it. Uh, Just, I don't know, just wanted to try to keep it quiet. You know, it's just one of those things. Mm. Um, But, you know, then what was it? Probably a week later, two weeks later, those other couple fellas here in town went out and they found a few schools and managed to get a couple out of those schools well it's a pretty so, amazing fishery because what's he, yeah flynn's name's right that's what we're talking about yeah, right yep. and we got a well according to his post there you got a slam in the one day like a permit yeah goldie yep. and a bonefish which is pretty yeah, fucking fantastic. epic man yeah, yeah yeah totally fantastic lots yeah. of firms out there uh yeah lots of uh don't see very many goldens like there's not huge numbers of goldens but uh Lots of permit. Obviously, the bonefish are there, but again, it's been those are the three first three bones I've heard of caught since I've been in Cairns in 20 years. Talked to a lot of old timers that have been here, like a lot of the Marlin guys that used to fly fish local flats here, and they were catching bones, you know, during the 70s, 60s, 70s uh, out here. But then there's just too much increased uh, boat traffic and also just snorkelers and divers, they reckon. So the well, the, the fact the fact of the matter is that bonefish are act, actually pretty common in Australia, but oh, there's yeah. not just not just one species of bonefish throughout the whole world. But this is a particular yeah. type of bonefish that's rare to see up in in skinny water. You know, um, yeah, they they tend to always be in fairly like along edges or deep water. Um, you know, you, you know, you hear guys catching them down Harvey uh, Harvey Bay, but uh, with Sundays. Yep. Um, you know, Airlie Beach, through out there. I know a few guys there that have caught them, smaller ones, 
Yep. These ones up here, I've seen them up further up north again with Greg. Uh, fairly large fish, you know, like in the teens, high teens. Yep. Though um, so they were all in shallow and flats. But most, talking to lots of people over the years, most of them all usually 15 meters and deeper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's pretty amazing, that's for sure. Because um, but it's but it's good to see that, like I said, it can be done. You know, they they are there. Yep. Uh, whether it's just a seasonal thing or, you know, probably once the water temperature warms up, uh, that like usually by January the water temp really spikes. It'll be in the 30s. So mostly just kind of leave the flats. Yeah. Yeah, there's not yeah. many species that are feel comfortable up in that bath water pretty much all you find on there then is uh, milkfish huh, yeah well, algae bloom and then milkies yeah right yeah. well they they can the uh, next, just the through, next challenge through their phys- physiology they can handle low 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 yeah. saturated levels of oxygen can't they like mullet yeah so yeah. which is why they go hard as well i guess they don't need as much yeah. oxygen yeah but yeah that's all that's all pretty interesting because the thing is with these um bonefish from my understanding is that um you know it's only going to be on certain tides and the place is very vulnerable to weather as well yeah so it's um uh, here like like this coming week is a really good set of tides again you know to probably go out there and try but uh you know they're calling 25 knots all weekend rain so windows opportunity here is usually blowing for almost 10 months of the year so windows of opportunity are pretty small i yeah um, i guess just as if whoever's listening to this podcast and think oh, i'll just hook up my boat from down south and drive up here and start slaying fishes man you gotta have all your stars aligned for that one yeah Le- and definitely um, living here is an advantage yeah and and the great barrier reef extends from cape york to bundaberg so good luck with that yeah <laughs> yeah that's right so that's a lot of lot of a lot of system to find those flats but I reckon if anyone put oh, the yeah. yards in, if they um if they pick the yeah. pick the yeah. uh, weather opportunities, use Google Maps and had a brain in their head, they could probably um put the time yeah. in and find them for themselves rather than sort of um heading up there. I, I, I yeah, I reckon you're right, and also permit like the permit numbers actually on especially they're all block eyes, mm. but uh, permit numbers on pretty much all the reef flats that I've you know frequented between here and, and Cape York or pretty much halfway to well, almost to New Guinea uh, there's pretty much permit on all, all the flats all block eyes like you're saying yeah all block eye sometimes yep. large schools you know you'll sometimes you'll see you know 100 fish 150 fish you mm. tailing when it's shallow or a lot of times you find them floating high in the water column yep yeah yeah just that's... milling around sleeping yeah yeah was that a, was that a block eye that Flynn got? Was it? Yeah, yeah, they're all block eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Very cool, still. That's but, for sure. Yeah, but there's a multitude of species out there in the shallows. <laughs> the main one is uh, the spangled emperors, but you know, there's probably I think I probably caught about five species of triggers. Oh yeah. There's uh, the hairy hotlips, blue bastards, uh, all all manners of reef fish. You want to fish around like coral and stuff, different mm. species of wrasse, goatfish. Um, oh, like last week, caught that mac tuna that there's just three of them zipping past the boat. I'm like, oh, look at that. They look like mackerel. I thought they were mackerel. Mm. Just chucked a cloud in front of them in one eight. Got that mac tuna. You don't see yeah. that every day. You know, they're way on the flat. Yeah. 
Yeah, Mac oh, Jones did some, cool. some pretty strange stuff sometimes. That's sure. I'm not surprised to yeah, they do. see that at all. Yeah. 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 On the Cape, they're, uh, yeah, that's right. On the Cape, some. Jose. So, sorry, say that again, mate. You dropped out for a second there. Yeah. Uh, I said uh, usually uh, up on Cape York there, you find them in the in the shallows on the flats too, in funny places. Yeah. Yeah, without giving away places, I've been fishing recently because I, I I don't want to. <laughs> Plain simple. I've seen them up in I've seen them in some really estuarine situations in like um in like knee deep water, like just just hunting in packs of five, you know. And it's just yeah. bizarre. Like, what the hell are you idiots doing here? You know, it's um yeah, just so right. far, it's, so it's far away. In, yeah, it's usually always in small schools, eh? Like yeah. threes and fives, kind of never large schools. Always like hunting, small hunting packs. Yep, yeah, ripping along. Maybe they're just following the bait, chasing the bait through. Yeah, because then the reason that I, I say that how many's in that pack, you know, is because like when we find them in the areas that we would normally find them in, you know, like not far away compared to say me to you distance, not far away. Like I mean, talking mm. probably an hour in yeah. the boat or something like that. They're in schools of hundreds. Yeah. yeah, in that in the blue water, like you're just um oh, just yeah. hanging around, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, that's 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 yeah. Max. Pretty strange yeah. animal, but that's pretty cool, mate. So you have got um all those spangles up there and stuff, uh, and and the and the hurry hot lips and 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 blue bastards. Um, you know, are all these um you got? I mean, well, I already know the answer to my question. We're going to say, but there is quite a bit of variation. Is what you know what I'm leading to, and is is in bottom type, right? As yeah, in like bottom um, type. Yeah, and fish yeah. species. You'll find the different fish species over the different bottom types. Yeah, mm. and different heights in the water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds pretty. It sounds pretty varied. It sounds like you know a lifetime of learning out there. And uh, oh yeah, just the one flat where most of this takes place. Uh, like the closest one here is uh, that would take you forever to learn today. That did. Yeah. That's it. That was the um. That was the, the clincher big. I was going to bring home with that yeah. as well. And the fact that you know you're you're just fishing out of cans, and well, not just fishing out of cans. I mean, cans is a wonderful place, and obviously mm. very close to some of the you know the Great Barrier Reef, one of the seven wonders of the world. But the Great Barrier Reef is so big, <laughs> so large, yeah. you know, and and we're talking possibly only like a quarter of a percent of it is what you're fishing, you know, and it's still going to yeah. take it would take you a lifetime to learn. Oh, this is just one flat of like shit. There's thousands of flats. Yeah, yeah. When you fly over it, especially when you fly from here up to the tip, you know, it's just always looking down, daydreaming. And mm. look at all those fish down there, you know, one day <laughs> yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah, I like taking that window seat on the plane, heading north for that reason as well. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's always <laughs> a good thing, especially in the light aircraft, Cessna, when you're really low. That's even better. <laughs> <laughs> yep, as long as you get too low in those ones, that's for sure. Yeah. So let's um let's circle back to um talking about those those flat wings, Al. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tell us a little bit about flat wings for people who don't know about. We've talked about it on the show before, but we've referred we've, we've referred to you and your um expertise on them. So it's good to get a bit more of a go back over yeah. the history of them a bit from from your perspective. Well, you see, uh, I think I think the one like my well, flat wings basically are uh, well started off as striper flies over in the east coast of uh, like out of boston and that mm-hmm. as we all know uh but i think it's more the fly pattern itself is good for it's just a platform uh that you can then tie say for your local bait 
or, or you know what I mean? Because yes, that's right. the way I tie my flat wings, they're fairly, uh, you know, they're they're fairly big pattern, mm. uh, you know, deep, and they're just a large profile compared to like a lot of the ones that they do use for striped bass. I mean, they're trying to imitate for sand eel mainly. I saw their long, skinny uh, patterns where like most of the stuff I tie, especially for the GTs, they're all fairly big, real big patterns. Mm. So I like to look at it that the flat wing is, it's kind of like the clouser. It can come in like a million different variations. And flat wings, I think you, you can use that, the flat wing pro, uh, platform to tie for all kinds of different uh, species, you know? If I've mm. tied them as small as size twos down to fours, small stuff, you know? You'd probably even go smaller like they do over in... Uh, over in Scandi land there where they, uh, for the sea trout, you know, oh, yeah. small little flat wings. Shout out to Thomas. I was speaking to him before the podcast, Thomas of Norway. Yep. He wants to buy some feathers off me. I've got to send some uh, photos to him, but I said, I can't, I'm talking to Al. So yep. he says hello. He said, yeah, hey, how's it going? Hey, hey Thomas. <laughs> yeah. I hope you're enjoying the banter as he says to me in the message. Go, yeah, go make your good. banter. He says to me, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, like, like you yep. see, worldwide, they're they're used uh, all over the place. But and again, just mainly to imitate the uh, fish, prey fish for uh, that area, you know. Mm-hmm. And for myself here, I think most of these uh, the GTs that I'm targeting, they're pretty much eating the fly. I think mainly for squid, like a squid pattern. All right. Even you though get... my a lot of even though a lot of my patterns don't look like squid, but. I, pretty much have deducted that's probably why they're smashing them or eating them yeah you got you get a lot of pencil squid and stuff like that up on the flat yeah, side there yeah pencil squid and, and larger squid like the okay, big, big ones and big i have boots. seen yeah 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 and i have seen them uh gts you know hammer them it'd be a big explosion in the ink patch there and then yep. you'll see a gt just swimming out of it yeah yeah the way these patterns that i've tied them how they're big you know uh and when they're wet they even conform to that shape with those all those feathers out the back so yeah well the, i yeah. mean correct i've heard another description of like um you know the reason they work and you got to think of of the way all flies work as far as they the action is created as the fly takes the path of least resistance through the water and yeah. um and the namesake of that fly being flat wing essentially is what creates the action is as in that that, that feather while well, a series of feathers tied in, in a way to prop them up so water can get on either side of them individually is yeah. that the, the feather is tied in flat yeah so just like any any lure or fly um once um once turbulence is created from the head and water starts acting on on say these feathers for example it pushes on one side and pushes it to an another side which makes yep. that side resist more, which then pushes it back all the way along. So it's going to have, being flat and tied on like that, the way the water hits it, it's going to have more of a action than a, than a feather that's tied on its side, so to speak, you yeah, know? That's right. It's, um, yeah, because yeah. Of, because also because the fly is moving ups and, upside down, up and down to a degree with the way of the hook as well, it allows yeah. water to get under it the same way air would get under it if it was in front of a fan, you know? Yeah. So it's... um. The, and also the thing I like about them is that they just... Well, one, they're really easy to cast, especially for larger patterns, mm. super easy to cast. And the other thing is they just slip into the water extremely quietly, yeah. literally like a feather landing in the water. So they don't make a big splash down. 
they don't make a big bloop or anything when they land. They just slide in, I guess is probably the best description. Mm. They just land real light, slide in, and then they're, they don't sink very quick. They're fairly neutral buoyant. So they just kind of just, when they slide into the water, they're just kind of sinking a couple inches below the water. Almost all the GTs, even if they're quite a ways away, they'll hear it and they'll go straight over it pretty much right away. Eh? Mm. Yeah, oh, look, it's, uh, everything about it makes sense, you know. Like, I mean, and there's the, so much. Yeah, you're right. You're right and up. the good thing with the flat wings, too, is uh, shit, you don't really need that much uh, material. But no. there is some specialty materials that are involved, you know, the, the feathers, uh, mm. feather shape, uh, and then good quality bucktail, long stuff if you're tying big stuff. Mm. And, Rel- well, uh, and of course, relative the, to the size. Pardon me? Bucktail relative to the size of the fly. Yeah, that's right. And also uh, the jungle cock eyes uh, Mm. seem to be, I mean, it's a classic look with those jungle cock eyes. I've got patterns, some flat wings tied with normal, you know, eyes, Mm. stick on eyes, but they just don't have that appeal or that sexiness of that, the flat wing. They're just a beautiful fly, one to tie and also to look at and to fish. They're just a stunning fly, you know. Mm. It's a bit of old school history there the, the fly itself that you're using and it still just produces so well eh? mm. yeah. yeah oh look it's it's definitely um i mean all those all those striper flies that have come out of um of of northeastern united states um you know have been have been phenomenal i mean that's that's where the all the pop flies were developed as well and that's right although yeah. although the pop flies have been quite dominating in in um in recent years, flatwing yeah. uh, flatwing has definitely come back uh, to make a, a fair bit of resurgence, including with the striper fishermen as well. You know, yeah, I think so. Yeah, they're definitely yeah. in the last couple of years. There's no doubt about it, eh? Mm. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a lot more, especially in the U.S. There's a lot more guys that are fishing them mm. and and seeking out the materials. Uh, you know, especially the feathers. The the problem with all those patterns, with Bob's patterns, and and um, I can't remember the guy's name who developed those flat wings. Um, you'll have to forgive me for people who are listening who are, who are um, flat wing aficionados. I, God, man, Mark Burns yeah, mentioned his uh, name on the on the last on the show we had on from Evan Flyco. He's got the book, that guy's yeah. original book, but I can't remember his name. Yeah, um, I got the book too, and I can't remember it either. <laughs> it's all right. Well, that's it. But like the problem with, um, I mean, they're all both got inherent problems for for fly ties are concerned because, you know, both patterns require a specific type of bucktail for for each different type. I mean, a, a hollow is going to require a different hair to a bulkhead to see if it compared to a beast, yeah. all different yeah. stuff. The um, yeah. accessibility for bucktail with with flat wings is is just as just as finicky. But not as not as selective as some of that stuff yet. Yeah. The, but the feathers are, you know. Yeah. That's that's yeah. a real problem with 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 those, you know, like getting getting those right feathers that that we yeah. talked about. Like I just gave a brief description of hydrodynamics there about the, you know like the way that feather works and obviously having that wider part of it or that sword shaped feather, yeah. um, is going to be going to be paramount to achieve the action, the optimum action anyway, as opposed to yeah. sort of a. Uh, a long uniform just having the length of the feather isn't enough it's the shape of the no. feather and having that width yeah. at the base that to create that yeah, that um that's right that side to side action yeah that's, yeah yeah that's totally correct yeah. yeah and they're just those birds uh the, the couple farms there you know in the u.s that they're just not producing those birds very God, much it's, anymore it's so hard as the supplier oh. to um to to get i mean even in, a, in australia here with such a small market 
that mm. mate, I, I'm I'm like a, a pipsqueak voice to them. Like, have you got any flat wing yeah. saddles? They're yeah. like, nah. And that's all the explanation they'll give me, you know. Like, you, you try to tell them that, hey, I've got Al Simpson here who's catching some great fish in the Great Barrier Reef and he needs some of that flat wing. <laughs> they're yeah. just like, they're like, where? The Great Barrier what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's they, right. they don't care, mate. If it's if it's the biggest market for, and I, I don't understand why they don't see value in this because, mm. anyway. But like um, you know, like a lot of a lot of those feathers, the market for the feathers is dominated by dry flies still. You know, which yeah, is um, that's right. fair enough. That's they're in business, yeah. and if that's where the yeah. most of their business is going, fair enough. But yeah, if someone took the initiative to jump on 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 flatwing saddles and took them seriously rather than a a byproduct of of um of uh dry fly saddles yeah oh, it'd, be, it'd be so good i think if someone if someone out there is listening right now and you're into uh birds or you want to get into producing flat wing birds get hold of me pardon me <laughs> yeah well yeah get a hold of you when they're done but yeah it'd be it'd be a definitely a niche market where you could probably make some money eh? they, yeah uh i just know like even with yourself and uh a couple of that other supplier out of out of the u.s that i've gotten some flat wing saddles from yeah it's just they sell out like pretty much instantly yeah and, uh, well uh, there's just a massive demand right now not just here in north america and Australia, but we're talking worldwide especially like you say uh, like thomas there yeah uh, in scandy land so you know there's just a massive demand for it so if you're a yeah. chicken farmer start producing some birds we need them <laughs> get those chooks cooking um yeah. You're right there. Like it's uh, you know, like that supplier that you talked about there is like those guys are so so uh, proactive in looking for that type of feather that yeah. they've eventually found me. You know, so it seems yeah. to be. Uh, and I mean, I'm I'm getting my saddles from a source that 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 don't necessarily make them, but then I get them and I grade them and I, and I know what I'm looking at. And like yeah. Thomas, for example. Like, yeah, man, that dude, he knows, he knows I've got the sales he wants there, but he's so fussy about it. I mean, you're fussy too, Al. Like, I mean, yeah. um, and I don't, well, I'm, I'm not pre saying I'm pretty particular. It's well, probably because I, I'm a bit I of mean a feather. I mean, that's a compliment. And, yeah, that's all right. But yeah. I'm a bit of a feather and hair slut, you know, or whore, I guess. <laughs> I, yeah. But everything, I've, I've got a very particular, it has to be, well, for myself, it has to be like some of the best, you know. If I'm going to yeah. be, I just set that stage in my life now where I want to just use the best materials. Just tie the like the nicest flies and fish with them. So, well, just, on, the on-water results are going to show that. I mean, like we just mentioned, how important yeah. the feathers are for that oh, thing. Yeah. I mean, Super you know, like, important. and we've also just talked about how fussy those GTs are. You know, so yeah. it's in, to to throw something out there that's just a matter of mimicking uh, a two D picture you might see without understanding how they work. Yeah, um, right. or or using the right gear, like based on like someone's photo on a bench of a fly or a vice. Yeah. I mean, you know, I could use. You could probably use schlapple to tie up a flat wing. It's not going to swim the same. No, nah, look, it won't look sexy. No, nah. you know. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's totally it's capes, necks, you know, slapping like you said there, and uh, and and yeah. all that sort of stuff. It's all just a. It's like that analogy it. when it's like that analogy when we grew up. It's like uh, you're either riding the Harley or you're riding the uh, fat chick on the uh, scooter. Yeah. <laughs> if you're using schlapple man you're on that scooter yeah man that's um that's when i see people tying streamers with that stuff i i think to myself this is your first day in it you know and, yeah, um, or or uh, or uh better yet are those brush flies with those with those feathers in the tail yeah oh, it's, it's a yeah 
I, I it's super sexy. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, it's uh, it's a shame to see that sort of stuff. And I guess um, yeah. you know, I, I I like to think that people would, you know, maybe even through this podcast when we've gone on the followed the beef campaign that you know people would look towards people's results when they yeah. start to find people to be um to model from or influenced by you know um yeah. you yeah. know if, if if you you know like we like we've said many times and i'm sure you probably heard us as well alan saying that um you know if that if that person that you're admiring their fly from can't show you you know a fly a fish that they've caught on that fly mm. well you know that's like buying a car off a car salesman who rode a bike to work you know well yeah, how the right. fuck would you know man you know yeah, and it's right. it's a real it's a real shame. I'm not trying to push people to line like you know to line your pockets as as a fly tire in like that. I, my my sincere goal with this is to is to hope that people would would stick with the sport, and nothing would be more shattering than going well. This guy that lives in a completely different country to the fish that I want to chase, who I've never ever seen catch a fish or even put a fly outside of a test tank, for example, in the water. How can and and I don't get the results in the water. Well, like, what do you expect, man? You know, like, yeah. what, like, yeah. and to me, for that person to leave such a fucking great sport that's given me so much in life, that's so disappointing. It really is, yeah. you know. And it seems to be yeah. such a a charlatan move from that person to to you know either for financial or or ego purposes to put a fly up online and to show it off and and collect all these accolades in the comments, but not show any fish caught on it. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so so disappointing, but it is. So that's yeah. why it's good to get these discussions in 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 the open with people like yourself that can tie the fly, understand the fly, and then go yeah. put it in a fish's mouth. You know, that's it's, yeah, that's right. It's as simple as that. I mean, what are we doing yeah. here? Like we we're, we're yeah. tying flies to fish, right? Yeah, that's what we do. So it's um, and, it's, uh, it's very important. Yep, yep. But back to the flat wings. Uh, <laughs> could give a few tips if you like. All right, give us some tips, Al. Tip number one. Tip number one. I would probably use uh, the thin mono uh, for your uh, for your thread. Yep, yeah, that's, a com- you- that's a common thing for hollows too. People say when you when yeah. you start out doing that. Yep, because uh, you know I've had a few people stop by here to showing me there. Oh, can I show you my flat wings? Where it's like yeah, and the heads the head will be the your biggest stumbling point because if you use normal thread. When you're tying in all that bucktail and feathers and stuff, when you get to the end at the eye, you're going to have an enormous, ugly head. Mm. So if you can run that thin, uh, you know, the that mono through. Yep. And then a lot of times I'll finish off. Sometimes I'll leave the head clear. But, you know, if I want a colored head, then I'll use a colored thread just to give myself some color on that head. Mm. And then you got a nice, tiny little head there, you know. Mm. Um be another good tip oh i mean the jungle cock that's the other thing we could probably talk about slightly is that it's so hard to find eh? it's very hard uh, to find and it's worth its weight in gold so again anyone out there that's the chicken farmer that's going to do the flat wings maybe you should do some jungle cock on the side also <laughs> <laughs> i got a, i got a friend of mine in the, in the united states who who i used to buy saddles off that doesn't anymore You've seen those yeah. saddles. They're all grizzlies and stuff, but yeah, yeah. I can't get them off anymore. He was having attempting to farm uh, grey jungle fowl, or what yeah. you know, what we call jungle yeah. cock. Well, yeah. jungle cock is just the rooster of that of the jungle fowl, right? Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, yeah. And he, he says, 
just fucking impossible. Like they they don't like being around each other. Their maintenance, like they need a carpeted pen. They're, they're crazy, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and to keep them alive outside of their native environment around um, India and Burma yeah. and all that sort of stuff yeah. is, is is incredibly hard for to to, to domestically breed um, yeah. grey grey jungle fowl. And yeah. uh, so hence great. why the costs. I think there's a couple yeah. guys who are breeding them in the UK over the years yeah. because when I worked in the shop at home, we could get. You could tell when it was a wild wild birds or if yeah. they were uh, farm birds. Eh? There's I, definitely a difference. I've got a farm bird cape here, and it doesn't have the color in it. It it's uh, mm. it's way more. It's a lot more uniform in the um in the in the nails, but the spades yeah. are horrible. They're not even hardly even there, you know. Yeah. And, the, and it's just like a dry split. It's just not a nice yeah. cape. I've got yeah. some wild ones here as well that um. Yep. You know, that they, they came came into my possession and they're um they're beautiful. The nails mm. and the spades are are all usable and there's all various yeah. sizes in them. Um yeah. it's really, really nice, that's for sure. Yeah. But um but getting them is um is a bit of a hassle. Uh yep. I can't I yep. like I mean I I'll tell you on this this on air that I had a crack at trying to get some, which is quite difficult, uh, even with the with the society certificate. And I still yeah. got, I still got taken to the clean, still got ripped off because of who you have to deal with to get them. Yeah, uh, yeah I lost, I lost, I lost more money than I'd like to um, divulge. And um, <laughs> yeah. but those are, um, those are the risks of, of getting that stuff, which makes yeah, that that's right. yeah. makes it so expensive. You know, it's um, yeah, yeah, it's very hard to get. Just given like, I don't want to stereotype, but it usually it comes from a pretty poor part of the world where they get them in the wild, yeah, and sure. um. Yeah, and and although they're, um, I, I can't say whether they've been they've come from ethically sourced sources or not. Probably unlikely, but um, yeah, probably pretty unlikely. Their numbers, I think, are fairly low in in the wild now. Yeah, due to the due to the feather trade. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, you know, get you have to. I mean, if as an importer, you, you got to do things legally. Import yeah. permits, society certificates, societies are just um. Can't remember what that acronym stands for, but it's just an, an endangered wildlife certificate, basically. And um, yeah, and still, but anyway, so I'm still working on that because I'd like to have them. Well, they're, they're in demand. A lot of people, good fly tires, know, you know, what what they're for. Yeah. You know, that's for sure. That's right. And that yeah, that they're, ochre they're color, worth weight in gold. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's I've I've tied with them before. I've ever put them in the water. I remember looking at them, going like, "What's the big deal?" Like I have to really sort of squint at this, like it's one of those three D posters you put behind your toilet door. To squint yeah. at while you're taking a dump, you yeah. know, and um, yeah. and look at it and go like, I still can't see this looking like an eye. But you get that yeah. thing wet, and you see that that ochre in the water, and it's just got like a glow to it. It's just, yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. It gives it you know? that kind of a evil kind of look when you look straight down the the fly, you know, at both sides, like yeah. down the eye of the hook. Yep, it gives it that kind of angry bird look. <laughs> it does, like it's like it's yeah, like it's frown, like it's uh, got half its eyelids yeah, shut. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. right. Yeah, no, I, does, I agree. It definitely adds, a, like, I used to use a jungle cock lots at home on steelhead patterns, pretty much all the steelhead patterns always had jungle cock. Mm. It just adds that extra element of, I don't know, there's just something about it that just adds that extra element of sexiness to the fly, eh? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I've, and um, I think a lot of that then will, in, you know, helps you with the confidence of what you're putting on there because I find that's pretty much key to success yeah. is what you're confident on that fly that you got on the end of that on that uh leader then you're pretty high likelihood you'll be doing well fishing wise 
Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. The co- yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. I don't know how to word this correctly, but you know, catching that fish starts at the confidence to tie that fly on. Really, that's yeah. kind of yeah. a good way to put it, I suppose. But mm. yeah, no. The you know, the thing with jungle cock as well is there's plenty of substitutes out there, like jungle cock yeah. substitution. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. buy it out. I don't know how you feel about it, but it just yeah. I've got I've got some here, and it just just doesn't look the same, and just. I know there's some realistic ones out there that are fairly realistic, but it's still, I don't know, when it lays on the side of the fly, it just still looks like a piece of plastic on there. Yeah, I think you, I, personally, I, I would rather put a tab eye on there than um, yeah, than, yeah. than a plastic jungle cock, you know? That's, um, yeah. Um, the thing I like about the jungle cocks, jungle cock feathers, or the, the, uh, the nails part of it, mm. um, is that... Um, that they they move like 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 a feather in a deceiver or a flat wing. Yeah. Anyway, they'll move yeah. with the fly. Like the whole fly will move yeah. like that, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think aside from it looking like an eye, which in my personal opinion, the 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 is the least attractive part of it. You know, I, I think yeah. having that, um, it's almost like a, a natural hot point. You know, with that ochre, like that ochre and the right. color that contrasting on the off the white and the black gives yeah. that gives that 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 focal point if you like you know like a hot point yeah. in, in that fly like natural yeah yeah and that's um and and the fact that it moves with the rest of the like lets the water flow over the whole fly and then all those materials that you construct in a certain order work as intended as opposed yeah. to the flow of water getting blocked by a piece of plastic yeah and i think if yeah. you're gonna sorry right you're right Al. yeah go ahead i was gonna say if you're gonna substitute jungle cock through lack of not being able to get it you know like your next best thing would be you know obviously you obviously need some sort of eye on there but eyes are important for um for aggression for fish to yeah. recognize natural prey yeah. for sure um yeah. but you know those tab eyes are probably the next best thing to be able to not have to glue them to all those natural materials that you've laid around yeah. you know yeah that's right you know so yeah. it's um it's uh yeah, well, you know a lot easier to use and like say that you don't have to deal with the trying to cement them on the side of the fly and you lose the Lose a, well, even if you get one fish, the eye's gone, and fuck, doesn't matter how good the adhesive is. Yeah, just, just the nature of the game. But yeah, Pretty the tab eyes are good. Yeah, well, they're they're about as as best as you can get as a substitute for for real jungle cock. Although it's not yeah. substituting jungle cock as itself, it's just a yeah. another type of eye that you can put on, yep. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was just gonna say, like the flat wings, like I said, that that platform of that that style of tying, you know, it'd be deadly for uh, tuna the thing is is you can tie them super slender like you can just do like a one feather or a three feather or like the bigger ones that i tie have probably 15 20 feathers in them mm. but uh yeah you can mimic a lot of your different bait patterns or bait species uh just just by you know limiting how many feathers you use and how much bucktail you use the um yeah you're right yeah go ahead I was going to say, like listeners will who listened to the last show who heard me catch that that thread fin, I caught that on it on a flat wing variation. That, um, yeah, that's right. Like a, yeah. I put a, a kinky a kinky um, Johnny King kinky mother head off yep. a uh, off a flat wing tail, and yep. just you know I just call it a kinky kinky flat wing. But um, yep. and that thing was that thing was wicked. Watching that yep. thing swim in the lights and stuff that was was awesome, you know. But uh, yeah. Um, I suddenly started just tying them. Really good, they eh? move yeah. and breathe really nice. That fly was is only four inches long. Okay, at, yeah. at best, you know, like yeah, yeah it's it's sitting on a uh, an ARX SA two seventy two o. You know, so it's a pretty small yeah. 
Yeah. Small hook compared to sort of, you know, like your, your six out, like you're doing for GTs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's, um, yeah. But I mean, you can proportionally time down, like you said, like you could easily, it, it doesn't feel un- uncomfortable that length to do, you know, like no. you, you might use a bit of waist with some of those saddle feathers. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but I, but I don't really care, man. I mean, if it's going to score yeah. a, um, if it's going to score a, um, a well, solid fish. Yeah. A good fish for yourself, then yeah, it's oh. worth it, isn't it? I'd use that whole saddle just for that one fish, you know, no yeah, problem. That's, right. you know? that's yeah. what it meant. But um, yeah. so, I mean, guess what? Depends on what value you put on it, but yeah. And then also I've been using that, uh, the flat wing uh, platform again for tying like flat wing shrimps. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I tie them hook, the hook is hooked down. Yep. But uh, again, just as a, the feathers, you know, for the carapace going across the back and also for the nose piece, and just build your shrimp however you want to build a shrimp but uh i find those are deadly eh? i'm going more and more toward the for shrimps at least hook down they seem to swim better in the water yeah believe it or not yeah well yeah and and i guess as as a as a fly tie you're you're tying your fly for intention there so you're not tying a fly that's grubbing along the bottom like a flat shrimp yeah that's right yeah but deadly on like goldens and, and like your uh, even even fish that are fairly close to the bottom, you know, like emperors and but uh, yeah, mainly you're from top water to you know mid water column, just dynamite. The uh, little yeah. they're small, they're only maybe two inches long, max length, you know. Yeah. Tie them on like uh, twos and fours. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the the, the flat wing kind of platform, you can it's good. You can experiment and tie all kinds of different stuff with it. Mm different patterns to mimic yeah. different baits yeah well like you said it's a um it's a platform for uh for invention you know like like clouds yeah, right. like deceivers you know yep yeah 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 so it's um so like i think the hollow it's, tie it's all that it's all that you know it's not a set in stone that's kind of like why i like that the flat wing that the pattern itself because you can just tie whatever you want to mimic whatever prey item you're trying to mimic yeah. Or, if, you know, you go downstairs and tie up something funky and go, wow, that's pretty cool looking. I mean, they'd be dynamite on barrows. I haven't fished them on big barrows, but I think they'd be dynamite on big barrows. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, sure they'd, yeah. I'm sure they'd do it in, in certain yeah. situations for sure, yeah. you know. Um, I think um, I think flat wings are a good example of, of a fly that for the concept of a flat wing, it would be hard to substitute the materials as well yeah, between, between right. bucktail and saddle. Yeah, I don't think you could go synthetic at all with it. I, I have no. seen some variations with synthetic, and they just look horrible. Mm. It has to be the bucktail and feather. Yeah. For the for the flat wing aspect of it, for sure. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and I think just for, well, one, aesthetics, and also just for how it swims, swimability. Mm. Um, yeah. And trying to keep it somewhat to the traditional line, you know, of the, how the pattern was tied. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. You, definitely just has to pretty much have to be tied with the feather and bucktail yeah that's the thing you don't need much material really a little bit of flash if you want just need the right material yeah 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 no that's um yeah it's it's a it's a good fly like that i suppose and it's probably not a lot you know i mean i i'm a i'm a proponent for um for clouds as being bucktail but I know that yeah. clouses can be done out of all sorts of stuff as well, you know. But yeah, uh, that's right. 
you know, surf cans can be done out of super hair or, or bucktail, really. I yeah. mean, I mean, plenty yeah. of other things as well. Holos are a bit different because you're kind of relying on that on the properties of a of what of a bucktail strand, I guess, and and being pre pre stressed about being forward and only going back as far as you allow it or control it to. Um, yeah, you know, they may be a little bit different, but you know, bulkheads and stuff could probably be done with synthetics, and they do. Like people do um, synthetic Bufords and stuff now, but yeah, I mean, but but. I guess you've got to be prepared to when you substitute away from the original patterns to give away um, some of the properties that 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 were what made them popular from the developer or whoever came up with them yeah, and improved them as, right. as well, yeah. you know. Because, you know, a synthetic Buford's a classic example. When we had Mark Burns on from Urban Fly Co., uh, yeah. a commercial tire that does hardly anything but Buford's for, for pie, uh, pie, off a muskie, yeah. told us that, you know, that head – water pushing is secondary to the to the buoyancy that it provides you know in yeah. the way that they work that action there you know so if you're going to tie synthetic there first, that's the first thing you give away is yeah. that buoyancy you know by doing yeah. that but you retain the water pushing so i mean if you're designing a fly for purpose you don't need that buoyancy there yeah. um yeah. yeah anyway but um yeah it's, it's pretty interesting mm. so yeah. even with um materials like we talked about you being you know a, a fussy bugger like it's um you're my canary in the cage for a lot of the stuff. I usually I get something new in. I go here, Al. Have, what do you think of this? Without yep. telling you much more, and I just I just look forward to your opinion. And if you say it's, you're not forwarding, coming backwards and saying no, that won't work. Yep. <laughs> I yeah. think between us, like I mean, I, I got a pretty good eye for materials with my my flies as well. I, I think it's um it's good that um, you know it's good it's good to have someone like yourself there. And there's there's a few other people around the traps as well like that that um that are willing to give me your honest opinion in regards to materials. Yep. What, yeah, why? Why? Um, I guess you already answered this, Chris. I was going to say, why? Why are you so? Why are you so full on with your materials, mate? Who hurt you? You know what's um, what's uh, going on? <laughs> well, nothing. I just uh, just like I don't know. I just like I don't know. I got an eye for exactly what I have in my mind, what I want. Like especially whether the hair is like slightly crinkly, the length, all that sort of scenario. Mm. A lot of times, I got patterns in my head already of and I know what the material I need to, to look for. But no, I'm just, uh, I don't know, been tying for a long time, so I'm just super fussy now on, on exactly what I want, especially in bucktail and feathers, eh? You, you but, said that earlier, that like you've been tying for that long now, you just want to tie with the best stuff you can get. Yeah, that's right. I've, I've yeah. told you that several times, you know. Over, yeah. Over the last few years. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I just want to tie my patterns and even commercially the stuff i tie it's just oh i just want to use just the best that i can you know get yeah uh, and sometimes it's hard to find those materials but you know it's just how i want to tie my flies now like i said at this stage in my life and what i want to use for myself when i'm fishing mm. you know i just want to use stuff that's with really nice materials the flies will last longer they look way sexier um yeah the yeah. materials are way nicer to use actually when you're tying you know it'd be, it'd be kind of almost like comparing uh you know a lower shitty end fly rod to a high-end fly rod no you know, i i i get it man so material sure. same same kind of scenario but no no one's wounded me about the, for the materials just what a habit mean? i've always had like working in the oh, fly okay. shops at home and you know, we're especially for steelhead stuff. We're always opening up. I mean, you're not supposed to cherry pick, but a couple of the other dudes I was working with, you know, when all the marabou would come in, you'd be picking. Well, they would be picking all like the 
primo that you want, you know, and they're yeah. out of a big pack of marabou, there might be two feathers. So <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. So I don't know. It's just a habit. You just want, yeah. when you're using this, the best, I think a lot of people other don't realize the difference when you start using really good materials, say, compared oh, to oh, just over the shelf going, oh yeah, I'll just grab that. Yeah. Uh, you know, even at shops, when I could access shops, when I lived at home, I would go through all the packs, open all the packs up, look at the feather lengths because you know certain patterns you want particular lengths of feather or, or shape or you know so you don't just pull the first pack off and go oh that will do well mm. not really i guess maybe if you're talking oh well, not even if you're talking woolly buggers i was going to say mm. you know because again particular feather yeah but, yeah mm. for sure i mean it's, yeah. it's that's always mm. a always a danger i suppose and i guess you could be I guess the same way with the fishing, with the fly selection and the way things are tied, I guess, you know, like you could be looking at that for your um, materials as well. Like, God, I hate to, I, I, it's hard for me to have this conversation without bringing up what I do, but I mean, like, yeah. you know, like you try to, um, you know, you try, you try to offer that beef for people to have the confidence in, um, in, in purchasing from you. Like, you know, what you're looking at, um, yeah you know, and all that sort of stuff. And, and I guess I saw that as a bit of a niche in Australia when I started selling those um, materials. I mean, like, oh, we just talked about the saddles there. Like, not not all saddles are suitable for flat wings, for example, right? Yeah, that's So right. there's times there's times where you've rung up before and you're going, hey, what do you got there? And I go, I got I got about eight saddles here, but none of them are going to suit you. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. like, it's um, yeah. it's uh, it's all a matter of communication with, with your supplier. But, uh, yeah. I mean, how do you, I mean, how do you tell whether, I mean, you, you just got to see that, yeah, you know, like let's say someone someone rang you for advice. I mean, they're gonna mm. they're like what sort of bucktail will I want? I mean, they're gonna be able to see the flies that you tie, the fish that you catch, yeah. the um that that whatever advice you're gonna give them is based off the knowledge that they can see. You know. Yeah, and, and also I guess I, it probably just comes with uh, just time tying and fishing. You know, mm. it's just and just observation, and you know what materials are gonna work best for you know for that fly or for that situation yeah or when you're tying you know just over time you just know exactly what to look for you know i was saying i was with you're 100 right there i i don't know if you listened to that like i did a bit of a rant in uh in the show with mark which i brought up a couple of times this show so far in regards to mm-hmm. bucktail and one thing i wanted to bring up about that was that um that i used to and it was probably good for my fly time because i tried to work on my technique with what I thought was the best bucktail I could get at the time, you know, it was the yeah. only brand that was available in Australia back yeah. then, you know, yeah. and um, and then when I finally got made friends overseas and uh, got access to talking to people who lived in areas where, you know, similar to areas to where these striper flies were coming out of, mm-hmm. and I tell I I'd ask them about their bucktail and I go, oh my stuff's my stuff's like meant to be a premium stuff and it's only a hundred mil long and it's, it's, it, I could, I could sweep my floor with it. It's stiff as shit. And they'd be like, well, why would you use that? I go, well, yeah. why wouldn't I? It's the best you can get. And then they'd be like, send me a picture of something with six to seven to eight inch length. And it's just, it's just leaning yeah. over because <laughs> yeah. it's so soft. Yeah. Like, or you Whoa. see the old photos of Bob, like puff fix there holding up bucktails and you're just like, I'd be just salivating on fuck. Where do you find those? I know, right? Yeah, but there's a recent it, video. There's a recent video with Bob tying a beast, and he's like, "You don't need the best bucktail in the world." I'm like, yeah. "As if, 
you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because like that one he tied on that video there looks nothing like some of these ones you, he tied in his heyday, you know? And yeah, I shouldn't right. I shouldn't say heyday like he's been and done. I mean, the dude's an eternal legend. Like he's yeah, he yeah yeah he's he'll he'll yeah anyway he's he's the master. There's no I got nothing but yeah. absolute one hundred percent hundred percent respect for Bob Bobbix and his patterns. In fact, a lot yeah. of my own tying is modeled from his teachings one hundred percent. Yeah, but um. But I did disagree with that, you know, that's for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, like uh, I, I, like I've mentioned on the show before, I've got about 15, 16 white tails that I'll use for all different flies between flat wings and deceivers to clouses, bulkheads, hollows, beasts. Yeah. You know, they'll all be a from a different tail or yeah. they'll be from a, the same tail, a different part of the tail even, you know. Yeah. And, um, and I don't think that's something you could learn in your first year of fly tying. Like no, to get back right. to what you said, as far as I think it all comes down to time on the bench. Yeah, that's right. Time yeah. on, time on and, the bench and just, yeah, just, yeah, just handling the materials and I don't know, maybe finally getting a hold of some nice materials. And you go, geez, man, I've been just tying with all this shit stuff, like, you know, for years mm. or months or I don't know. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I was on the, I was on the phone to, um, Paul Dolan the other day and uh, yep. he sent me these pictures of he's trying to he's starting to tie beast flies yep. and he says to me um oh I'm not a very good fly tie Chris but this is what's working he's catching fish on but he sends the pictures on because he's not happy with the way they look and first thing I say is I, I guess the brand that he's using and he goes yes and I said yeah well, I could tell <laughs> yeah. that, um, I'm not here to bash brands but like uh, it's just that brand is just synonymous with straw like shitty bucktail and it's um yeah and that, and it's, and like that's, I guess, you know, like I said earlier in the show, that the reason I try to point people in that direction to follow the beef, so to speak, with that is so they stick with it. If Paul yeah. had the right, the right bucktail, which he, he tried to buy some for me, but I, I don't have enough. I don't have, no, it's not I don't have, I don't have any to sell him that he, that he needs in that type. So I just, I don't have it, yeah. mate. I've got yeah. about 50 tails here, and not one of them will do what you want to do, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But it's a, such a good pattern and it's worth your learning, but to, to, to give up on it because, you're not aware that that you're behind the eight ball already with the material, and if you yeah. didn't see and can, didn't have two tails, one a, a perfect one and one that was shit next to each yeah. other, to go, oh, that's the difference. Yeah, yeah, that's why my fly's not turning out as as I intend it to, or as it, mm. it doesn't look like Bob's. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's such a we get. I mean, we talk about bucktail so much on this show. It's such a yeah, well, especially um, bucktail. It varies so much from tail to tail. You know, and it's such it's a just... primary building block of fly tying. You know, as well. yeah, it could be used in for a shitload of flies, different patterns. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's, it's particularly in saltwater. There's not oh, too many patterns yeah. that you, you that need bucktail, have to be bucktail, or you could use yeah. bucktail. That would probably make a better fly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, and with all the um, interest in in larger freshwater flies like Murray cod flies and stuff like that as well. Like it's um, yeah. you know, yeah. learning bucktail would be. You know, like it's it's a it's a new, it's. I was going to say that it's arguably a, a new pursuit for for a lot of Australians. The um mm. the the um Murray Cod on fly, although it's been around for a long time with guys like Nick Knipe and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But um, but if you were you know fly fishing for twenty years and and knew nothing other than than fishing for trout, like that to to understand that bucktail. Um, in that for use in like those large streamers to make them castable and, and to swim would be like starting again. Yeah. You know, it's, um, and, but it's worth, worth learning. I would, I would, I would, oh, I would yeah. recommend for sure. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. Yep. Do you um do you have a dabble in collection of your own materials, Al? Oh yeah. Yep. Like what my own you? personal stuff. No, no. I mean, what I mean is, do you um do you get out in like a black top hat and a black coat and a scalpel and a bag of salt and uh, find stuff on the sides of the road sometime around like that? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I used to, I've, ever since I was a kid, really, because my dad was into collecting skulls and uh, taxidermy and, and oh, yeah? that sort of stuff. So, yeah, my whole life I've been, especially at, at home in, well, in Canada, there's lots of roadkill. And, uh, you know, during the 80s and 90s, most of it didn't get picked up. But there's definitely a lot more people in recent times, even when I've gone home to visit, you don't see much roadkill anymore, right? Eh? Why? Uh, I know down in the southern states you know, of the U.S., there's, there's even a few cookbooks. So, you know, the roadkill cookbooks, <laughs> people would actually be picking up stuff off the side if it's still fresh. I guess especially if you just bunted that uh, possum or, or deer. <laughs> you might as well cut, cut the leg off. But, God, uh, you'd, be, you'd be hard up to um, run over a possum, yeah. turn around, pick it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here, like here in Australia, you don't see much roadkill, really. Hey, uh, uh, maybe down in, in for, Tassie, you see lots. What do you mean? The devils for, don't eat it. You mean? Oh, you, I'm you talking mean, for like if you're driving down the highway and you go, "Shit, look at there's a kangaroo there." I'll go back and throw it in a garbage bag and take it home and skin it out. Well, that you know, you're right. I guess I could say you know, like that from growing up here, there used to be a lot more roadkill. I uh, reckon. I, I think, think it gets that, picked up really quick. Well, there's that, and they build new roads now, particularly where I live. And uh, even when I hired a car and was driving from Townsville to um, Lucinda, I noticed that a lot of, uh, like, wherever I drive, there's always seems to be uh, wildlife fences around, like those chain wire oh, fences yeah. with that yeah. green band around it. So, you know, yep. it, it looks solid. They can't, they don't, they don't, they can't judge it to jump over or, or climb yeah. over it because it's, yeah. it's flat. Um, maybe that, that management of those sort of areas or recognized areas of roadkill is, um, is probably helping, but, you know, it mm. might it might get picked up sooner rather than later as well. It's not very often you see something just um, festering on the side of the road, bloated. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not, not even when I first went around Australia, I've seen way more roadkill back then than compared to nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I but don't know, in saying that, yeah, when I lived at home still, I, I carried all those uh, little kit, you know, maybe a knife and some shears in there and some borax and some gloves and, you know, some bags cutting off squirrel tails or whatever we'd see on the side of the road, whatever you needed. Yeah, man, it's, um, <laughs> that would be, so, okay. So what, what is, what does that involve? Like, uh, like, I mean, I don't think that's a real, you know, for as us as fly tires to not understand mm. where our milk comes from, so to speak, um, yep. would be, would be, you know, sticking your head in the sand some somewhat. So I don't think this is a, a bad subject to talk about as far as harvesting, no. Harvesting yeah. flight time materials from from roadkill. Yeah, not not necessarily just roadkill, but uh, you know, you might I don't know, have a pet chicken that just decided to die, or yeah, you might you accidentally might run a, your run your car through a flock of ostrich emu or something like that. You mean? Yeah, that's another scenario. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't know. are uh, on might, my uh, radar. Well, you might be out fox hunting or shooting some feral cats. Yep. Uh, you know, they they've all got nice fur. Yeah. So, but I've had a few people asking me, you know, recently about how how to how I cure some of my hides. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's fairly simple, really. 
So, uh, I mean, roadkill also, I guess we should probably state that. I don't know what it's the laws are here in Australia, whether you're allowed to pick up uh, roadkill. But I know oh. in some of the states in the U.S., you're not allowed to pick up roadkill. And I think okay. in Canada, they might have changed it also now where it's illegal to pick up roadkill. Well, I think for the, before we move on too far, I might just um, Google it. Um, whether you're allowed to. But, you know, we not necessarily have to talk about, you know, picking up roadkill. Like you said, you can either acquire uh, this animal or bird. Maybe the bird hit your window, you know, your house window, and you went, oh, shit, that thing's got nice feathers on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it could be your pet gerbil decided to die. And you go, shit, that thing's got some nice fur on it. Pet gerbil. <laughs> well, you just never know, right? Oh, it's possible. So, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Everything's possible. <laughs> yeah, anything's possible in the gear household. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah. um, okay. <laughs> uh, what's, no, the, what's the old Google search telling you? Is uh, it legal? I'm, I'm finding um, stuff about um, live stuff, about what to do if it's not, not properly dead. One yeah. paragraph here says, make sure you've got a sturdy pair of boots on or a bat. Now, I'm not going to read that. That's yeah, right. no, that's certainly getting into weird, crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyways, um, we can just get on with, uh, yeah, say say you've acquired this chicken or bird or say a possum. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, you'll want to probably take it home and uh, skin it out. So if no one's ever skinned out an animal before, you probably want to wear some gloves because if it does have it's fresh might still have some parasites still on it yeah but uh yeah fresh is usually best that uh you just make an incision down down the breast you know and through the skin and usually the skin peels off almost like a banana like it if it's the animal's fresh it's very easy to pull off yeah yeah and uh then usually once or if you can't get to it throw it in the bag into the freezer and do the same process when it's defrosted. Uh, okay. But yeah, and then usually, so you got your flat kind of skin there. Like birds, I usually cut the wings off because of the bones inside the wings. Uh, you want to get rid of like your main bones, animals, tails. Again, you want to get rid of all the bones and the, the tail bones. So make a slit, pull out the tail, uh, like the bones. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, you got now that skin, hair side down say on a sheet of plywood and uh, usually want to scrape off any excess fat. It should come up pretty clean. Like you don't want to be cutting too far into the animal's body, like when you're skinning it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and then usually I use just like a spoon or a butter knife, or if you got proper skinning knives, you uh, then scrape it, scrape all the fat off. And I usually just use uh, a product called borax, find at Bunnings here in Australia or at Woolworths. Uh, I think in North America, it's a uh, 20-mule team borax, it's called, at any grocery store. And it's a natural uh, detergent. And it dries out the hide completely dry. And what I then would do was rub some of this in and keep scraping until it's, you know, all your fat's scraped off and tissue and that sort of stuff. And then I uh, just either nail out the skin, stretch it on a piece of plywood. You can either use a staple gun, and you'll see it kind of stretches. And you just put a whole, rub a whole pile of that borax on there and cover it all with borax. And then put it 
put it somewhere nice and dry and go back like a month, two months later and it's fully cured. Yeah. That's, um, that's it'll be a hard hide. It won't be soft and pliable like uh buckskin. So yeah. it'll be like a hard hide, but I've got some here that chickens I've done here, like rooster capes and they're years and years old and they're still, still perfect. Yeah. Cause it, what it does, it, it draws the, it, it draws it, all the moisture out. Well, yeah. salt will do that, and that's that's and that will ruin it because I've ruined bucktail hides from doing that. Like yeah. it's um, see the pro. I think the misconception with using salt is comes back from like long time ago. It'd be like I'll just salt those hides, mm. uh, whether they were trapping or you, you know, say you're at home, you shoot a moose or deer or a bear, salt it if you're going to get it taxidermied. You know, mm. the salt just keeps it wet. And it draws a lot of the moisture out, but it keeps it wet. It will never dry it out. So salt is good for transport. But if you want it actually cured, you got to use the borax is the best thing to use. I mean, there's other products out there. If you want to properly tan it in that, let's Google it. But for an over-the-shelf product that's quick and easy, that's the simplest way to go. Okay. I've got an update on the the roadkill. Do you want to hear this? Yep. Yeah. A man who was charged after collecting a dead kangaroo, kangaroo off the road and keeping it in his ute said he was unaware he had broken the law. Uh, yeah. Benjamin Andrew Brown, 21, claimed to have seen another vehicle hit and kill the marsupial while driving near his Mount Walker house earlier this year. He said, however, the labourer this week pleaded guilty to unauthorised taking out of a protected animal, having admitted to police he planned to use the dead animal for meat. <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> so this dude um went that young to, uh, fellow was hungry lucky she yeah. just got a meat pie man <laughs> yeah he said, oh, i skimmed the i skimmed the article it says he was um uh he was gonna he was gonna use it for a barbecue to feed his mates on the weekend <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so so the law is it says is a quote from rspca state wildlife coordinator janet gamble said it was uncommon for police to pursue charges over such an incident. And in, and her quote is, it's a bit of a grey area, but if you take legislation into the um, I don't know, nth degree, um, mm. you can't use the meat, feathers, skin, or any part of a protected animal without authorization, whether you killed it or not. So yeah. kangaroos, are, I didn't know kangaroos were a protected animal. There's, there's fucking thousands of them. I don't understand. Yeah. So it would be any, any of that. Yeah, any of your marsupials. Yeah. You just have to be quiet about it if you're going to be going. Wanting well, you heard it first here, folks. Al's advice is don't get caught. Right? Yeah. <laughs> just throw it in a black garbage bag, throw it at your feet and keep going. Yeah. yeah. Or better yet, no garbage bag and just chuck it on the floor. Yeah, just um, just skin it and, um, and tell them it's yeah. cow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and... And you're using this wet hide to keep warm that you bought in a souvenir store. Yeah, that's right. Yep. There's plenty of ways to get around it, folks. That's, uh, oh, shit, yeah. 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 Shoot Voltia PM if you want to find out any more ways to get around keeping pelts. Um, oh, yeah, he knows. I sure. think he's got, oh, especially he's got his giant Merkin collection. Yeah, well, he's Jeez. wearing that right now. Yep. He's, yep. Um, he farms pelts. He knows how to deal with them. That's yep. for sure. Um, Al... A bit of a direction change, mate. Um, yeah. People also notice if they've been, you know, gripping onto Instagram and looking at your Instagram page while talking to you, that you will see 
your uh, Ketafly apparel range. Yep. Yeah, I've just kind of been just doing these, uh, just these pre-sales, so I get the numbers of shirt stock I need to bring in. Uh, yep. I don't have anything, like, online that you buy online yet, but that's probably coming next year where I'll actually have stock. Yeah. Uh, but for the time being now, this has worked well for me. And and people are willing to wait. You know, it's just it's just a one of a kind artwork that I do screen printed here and then yes, yeah, shipped out. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've been doing uh these sun shirts and t shirts, but the sun shirts are super nice. You know, the material is really good. Uh SBF fifty. Yeah, they're just really nice to wear. Mm. Okay. So yeah. so what um okay, so if if someone was interested in buying these shirts from you, um, yep. they they have to get they'd have to watch your social media and look for when you're calling out for a, for a pre-sale because these pre-sales fill up pretty quick, right? Yeah, I just do them for about four days. Yep. And yep, just I have it up on my website. You can buy the shirt there, and then after four days, you know, I take them down, and then I just order all my shirt stock. Like this week, I'll be. Some of my shirt sock just showed up now from the States. And uh, so I'll be, most of these I'll have done over the weekend and shipping next week. If anyone's listening and you purchased a shirt a few weeks ago, they're yep. on their way. So, yeah. So these are all... Kind of, um, just a little kind of side hobby I've started now and just see how this goes. There's been quite a bit of love uh, for it. Uh, it's a bit of a unique kind of niche thing, I guess I do. I don't know. Yeah, not much kind of fly fishing related art out there, other than out of the U.S. Yeah, there's also the beast brushes, brushes stickers, of course. Let's not forget that. You know, Australian yeah, Australian yeah, that too. Art, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of a kind. One of limited a kind runs. Yeah, yeah, those are limited. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool when you do that sort of thing. You know, I think and people, I think, uh, it seems in the last few years, people are more turning toward that those type of small little companies like that, like myself. Yeah. You know, these more boutique, small, kind of like yourself with beast brushes, just these smaller companies. I don't know. Maybe it's the personalization. Well, I think, um, I think people, I, I think, you know, people want authenticity in, uh, in where they spend their money, you know? Yeah. So I mean, know where if it's, it's coming from, yeah. Know where it's coming from, know who it's supporting, and um, yeah. and want to be able to trust who they're buying it from because that person is is already in the shoes that the people are buying the product from want to be in, so to speak. So you spend a lot of time out in the sun with your fishing and stuff like that. I mean, you're not going to wear oh, yeah. something that um no. that not that is not going to that's not going to suit you. You know? Yeah, it's, that's right. It's just like my fly tying. I I use what I what I well I used to sell at least I tie a lot, but. Yeah, I've always been that. It, if I'm not fishing it, then I wouldn't be tying and selling that stuff commercially. Eh? And it's yep. the same with the apparel. Like I'm, I wear this daily. Um, you know, whether it's just especially the t-shirts, but the sun shirts. You know, I'm wearing those all the time. I've been, I've put everything through the ringer. So yeah, it's like you say, it's, it's, it's. You know, we're wear. I'm actually wearing the stuff. It's not like I'm just selling. I oh, here buy these shirts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's you know exactly. So you're putting your hands on every single one that goes through. You're the one who's putting it in the mail. So the person yep. who you're talking to 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 buy this shirt is the guy that's 
you know, handling every or most or well, nearly every stage of it, I guess. You're not exactly well, behind a sewing machine, eh? You know? But no, yeah, it's the only thing, but you know, doing the artwork, the the screen printing, yeah. uh, screen printing, right down to the packaging and shipping, yeah. Yeah. But with the shirt, like even to start there, like you're 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 selecting a specification uh of shirt that meets the needs of the people that require the same performance that you do. Yeah, that's right. And I figured I'd uh you know, it took me a long time to try to find exactly what I wanted and I was happy with and what I'm happy with to be wearing out there and know that I'm safe in the sun for one and they're comfortable, uh, you know, and they look good in photos. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, and it, like I said, it took a long time and I've actually, the fabric's made in the U S and so I didn't have, my biggest thing was to try to avoid getting stuff out of China Mm. that's just mass produced so i found a company that's you know a lot smaller and uh, more like a mom and pop kind of company yeah produce these and yeah the materials made in new york and then they're shipped out the material shipped down to columbia they've got like a factory there that they treat their people really good mm. yeah so oh, that's pretty cool man that's uh yep. it's an interesting story behind it that's for sure yeah same with same with the t-shirts the t-shirts are all ethically sourced to uh like like the company that i get the teas from uh is an australian company and same thing they they have a couple factories over in i think it's like in indo or thailand or something they again they they treat their people really well highly they're higher higher paid than anyone else in the textile industry and Mm. just treated right you know so Mm. And I think it shows in the quality of the of the actual apparel, you know, the shirts yeah. themselves. So yeah, yeah, it's man. Nice. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, like the the artwork's popular. You you see it. You're seeing it more more around the place. Um, yeah, there's yeah. been a little bit. Yeah, guys are starting to kind of take a bit of hold to it. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's uh, that's got to be pretty satisfying, right? Yeah, it's cool. I've like always a fashion wanted to do it, you know, for years. Pardon? Yeah. You consider yourself to be a fashion mogul, like, uh, oh, like no. Dolce no. & Gabbana or something like that? Or, I uh, think if I become a fashion mogul, I might even hire Voltsy for my to be a model. <laughs> I need a I need a short guy with a merkin. You need that's exact. You need a short guy with a merkin. You're 100 percent correct there. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. When I see Voltsy walking down the street, I just hear that 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 '90s song like ah, "I'm Too Sexy for My Shirt," and uh, yeah, that's, that's just true. like the background music of every time I see that dude walking around. It's it's kind yeah. of putting, man. You know, you're thinking, <laughs> God, you're you're full of yourself, dude. And like all he's doing is just walking around normal. You know, he's not even trying to look like that. Just as a natural, a natural it's just, um, just weird. You know, yeah, a natural charisma that he just emits from that pelt. It's crazy. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, man, I can I can tee up with that, man. I can, uh, I could have a word to Voltsy and, and see about you know if you can make the time to get up there and and um, you know walk a walk a catwalk slash flat for you in your yeah. attire apparel. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah, I think so too. See what he says. Yeah, well, it's um you know it's it's a it's a mini success story. Al. I'm I'm really stoked for you with it with what's what's going on with it, man. How quickly it sells and how well it's getting picked up. Um, yeah. it'd be, it'd be cool to see, um, it become like available. Cause I know myself, I always, I always like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll get onto that. And then I, oh, the pre-sale has gone. 
Yeah. It, uh, yeah. So. I know I've had even today, guys are messaging me when the next sale is. But yeah. those guys, I'm going to, because I'm printing over next week, I'll be able to slide their orders in, you know? Yeah. But, you heard it there, folks. Give give Al a message and he'll be able to hook you up. In the next couple of days. <laughs> oh, you can? Yep. yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, well, this show will go out on, on, on Saturday. So um, oh, yeah. will that, yep. will that no still worries. give him enough room? Yeah, you never know. Yep. I'm here to help. Try your luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spin the wheel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's cool, Al. I'm, uh, yeah. Well, that's. Uh, are you going to branch out into other stuff like um like hats or anything like that? Yeah, uh, want to do hats and looking into gloves. Oh uh, yeah. I'm doing I'm doing shorts. This this last uh, pre-sale, uh, I offered shorts. So mm. I've got these shorts I've been wearing for the last oh, few months. They're they're pretty good too comfortable yep. pretty much bomb proof a little bit stretchy they look good um mm. look good you know on the water and off the water so yeah pretty happy with them yep you're yeah. telling me that they look just as placed on the on the deck of the skiff as they do in the yacht club with a chardonnay is what you're saying shit yeah man yep <laughs> well right on brigadier that's awesome yep. yeah <laughs> Um, well, that's pretty cool, mate. Oh, and also, um, I, I, I really feel that it'd be, it'd be a good point to bring up right now, although we've spoken about this subject quite a bit in previous shows, that uh, uh, you took out the Hinchy Comp again as, in, as part of the team again this year, eh? Yeah, yeah we did. Yep. You and Dan. And Dan, yep. Yep. Dan the man, dangerous yeah. Dan. Well, we haven't spoken to any of the winners on this show yet. I know it's been a little yeah. while ago, but it's such a good comp and it's on people's minds mm. throughout the whole year. Yep. Tell us what it was like to uh, stand on the podium again, Al. Oh, I don't know. I just went up there and, you know, did the big Yahoo, and that's you – know, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm pretty pumped. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good achievement. It's pretty challenging. Um, if, if people out there think that it's easy and just because some of the winners are winning all not all the time, but uh, there's all seems – to be like a top kind of say eight or so mm. uh it's probably because most of those anglers are pretty well versed at fishing and to tell you the truth like the thing that's good about the challenge is that it really is challenging it doesn't matter how good you are you could it's just extremely hard to catch all those species in one day you know it's not usually where you go out on fishing where you're trying to target 30 centimeter queenfish mm. or you know 30 centimeter uh, true valley and you know you're racing around trying to find like said like say one 30 centimeter queenfish for like hours if that's your last fish you have to catch so it is it's extremely challenging eh? and anybody can win but uh, mm. i mean there's a lot of again i think a lot of um, maybe time on the water and just being probably fishy probably will put you probably higher up in the in the standings i would say yeah mm. yeah i don't know uh, well i mean dan dan's a regular place getter at, at the first there and but like dan yeah. spends crazy amounts of time on the water compared to most yeah. people don't he you know yeah that's right and, and i guess the re the annual results of one comp reflecting in the guy who spends probably more time on the water than 
yeah. than most, aside from guides. You know, but well, more water, more time in the water with a rod in his hand than most. Let's put it that way. Yeah, uh, is um those results reflecting once a year? It makes sense. You know, that's what I'm getting at. There's um you can't yeah. you can't disparage that or or poohoo uh, a, a consistent winner because he chooses to spend most of his year on the water while you're and nothing wrong with this either at time at work or spending time with your family you know yeah that's right and i mean dan he's kind of mellowed out in the last couple of years but you know he would he would say to us like at the comp ends on the well saturday night is the awards night and then sunday everyone goes home but on sunday morning when you'd get up with a splitting hangout from the party the after party and he'd be just like yep I'm going to start, like, uh, my comp prep starts today. Like, he starts from, like, the next day. It fin- Like, after it finishes, the next day he's already prepping. So so the problem, competitors of the Hinchinbrook Challenge have got, is that you've got, <laughs> you've got a guy there that's preparing like he's about to fight Mike Tyson 12 months out, you know? But, that's- you know, the thing is, though, he, he has mellowed out now in the last two years. I've done what three years now i think with him and the last couple of years uh you know i think last year i mean yeah he still fishes a lot but there was nowhere near the pre-prep that he's done in the past like say yeah, the okay. past 20 years uh i think he's, yeah i think he might, i think i might have rubbed off on him he's mellowing out <laughs> you guys are true you guys are playing music through the comp this time yeah, we had tunes cranked. Maybe it was, he was slightly downwind from the whistles. Uh, maybe that. Oh, and I found out his other secret is red snakes. Right, blood sugar. Keep that blood sugar so, high. Yeah. Food coloring yeah. high. Man, yeah. he was starting to crash. Threw him a couple of red snakes. And I tell you, he lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> we were fucking going hard, I tell you. So the, the secret, the secret, <laughs> the secret of, as a team's event uh, competitor, from your point of view, is Dan management. Yeah, you could say that. Yep, somewhat. Yep. yep. If you if you could manage Dan and be on the boat with Dan and like, which is a real skill in itself, by the sounds of it, like you know, discovering the the red snake thing. Is that the first year you discovered that? Oh no, he's been in the snakes before, but this year definitely was frothing for the red ones. Right. Okay. Yeah. See, there's, yeah. see, there's an observation that you can repeat and hope to achieve the same results. So, I mean, this is—it's it, yeah. it's all a matter of building on experience, time on the water, and managing Dan, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> and that's—and see, that's what people. Yeah. This is the things that people don't under, understand when the same people are up on the podium every year. There's, there's, there's two things that you probably didn't know. One guy is out there the next day after the after the comp, preparing for the next year. And the other guy is looking at ways to manage that guy. See, yeah. it's not, yeah, perfect, it's not, it's not exactly, yeah, it's not exactly black and white. These things, it's not a matter of just, you know, getting out there and having the advantage of knowing where the fish are and other people don't. Yeah. It's a lot of, but a lot of, I, like I said, there's a lot of luck involved also that, uh, you know, even the top competitors sometimes falter, you know, it's just, you gotta be just, you gotta be super lucky too. You know, it's just got to be super lucky. It's just got to have all your stars aligned. There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what they that's what they say about success, isn't it? You know, like it's um it's where preparation and luck meet. Yeah, you're probably right on that one, eh? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's uh like, like every challenge I've done, and guys that 
of the guys in the challenge that know too. I'm constantly saying is how challenging it actually is. You know, it's extremely, it's extremely challenging. Yeah. So, yeah. And if there's anyone listening that does do the comp and you haven't done well in the past, I mean, just keep trying. You just never know when your day will come, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And just everything will fall into place. Yes. Granted, there is, you know, helps that you got a lot of local knowledge and you're fishing all the time and you're on the water all the time. That also helps, you know, become mm. pretty fishy. So, but yeah, but there is also the factor you could be, you know, a dark horse and just have all these, just be lucky. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's yeah. why the comp set up. It's a great comp as far as that, that it way is. that, um, you know, yeah. It, you're in with a swingers chance you know so to speak to use yeah, our boxing analogy so everybody anybody has potential to win that comp there's no mm. doubt about it yeah well i i really i mean that comp's getting somewhat stronger um as it yeah, changes these, direction these, oh you know? man these last few years has been real good eh? it's selling mm. out within well shit within a day look at the last year was there i mean that was the first time i ever went to a um the presentation or and um and like uh, in a time of covid where interstate travel was canned still yeah. had what looked like 60 odd competitors in there uh, no we had so it was 25 boats i think we had 22 boats or 20 no 23 boats so what's that so, 46 yeah 46 i think it was yeah yeah you so just, the cutoffs at 50 yeah, so. as as a student, I spent a lot of time fishing, as you can tell, with my head count there. But still um, pretty, but still pretty good, you know. Like, man, like say with COVID and everything else, it's not too bad. I mean, usually we got a lot of interstate comes. You know, a couple guys come every year from Perth. They drive across. These two young guys uh, usually get a couple from Tassie and and down Victoria. But you know, all that was shut down this year. Yeah, so, yeah, it was still good to see. Well, it was good one to have the comp actually run, and then also you know see a really good turnout. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like I've I've been involved with tournaments down here in southeast Queensland, and uh, you know not I don't think I've been to well no it's not true the tuna comps in the early days and the early two thousands had a pretty big turnouts, but um yep. in this now like I mean to compare it to like last year to see a tournament that's got over fifteen people or something now twenty people is. It's huge down here now. So to get yeah. 40, 46 in a remote part of the country um, yeah. is um, is pretty good for a fly fishing tournament, that's for sure, in Australia. Yeah, yeah it's good. I mean, like I said, the popularity is definitely growing. Mm. It was capped well, at 50, the, wasn't it? Like, I mean, 50 is yeah, the max. capped at 50 or 25 boats, two anglers. So there was no way oh, there'd be 60 there. Jeez, man, I was really off the mark there. But uh, that's – um. So that's that's pretty good. Nearly full capacity through times of COVID. It's pretty good. Yep. Yeah, it really is good. You know, yeah. Good just for everyone to get together, uh, you know, for that weekend. It's, it's, mm. it's a really good thing. Yeah. I think, especially for the, you know, for the fly fishing community. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I said it to you at the, at the time, Al, but congratulations to you and Dan for winning yeah, that match. I know, yeah. I know it's a little bit belated if I didn't say it, but um, – well, we've we've got John close, relatively close. What are we two months off <laughs> the oh, um, the tournament? Great. But it's closer yeah. than closer than ten months. Um, yeah. So yeah, mate. All right. Well, um, is there anything we haven't covered in this show, mate, that you wanted to get off your chest internationally? Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, I think we're 
pretty much good, I reckon, don't you? I think so, man. I think um, I think we've done well, um, and we might we might um, end the podcast now, which I think is going to be a surprise for people to hear me say instead of wrap this puppy up. But uh, I'm trying yeah. to work on a new way to close off. Yeah, for sure. Let's yeah, let's just, uh, make that a wrap, and we're done. Yeah. Yep. All right, Al. Well, mate, thanks yeah. for coming on. I'm going to yeah, end the thanks recording, for having mate. Me. Good yep. chat. We'll uh, talk to you later. Too easy, man. Yeah.